check, 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 check. I think we're good. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I can hear Brandon. Okay. I had to actually turn Matt down. Big fucking shock there. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'll turn everything up. Um. <laughs> there we go. Um. Everything good for volume levels and everything like that. Yeah. All right. So, um, since Matt did not follow any instructions from last week that I that, asked him that, at all, is that that I didn't follow instructions? I tried. The programming wouldn't work. When did you download the program and try? I downloaded the program on Sunday to try during the day, but I was <laughs> fucking with it all day long. Okay. All right. What else did I say that I would edit? How many minutes in total of clips did I say I would edit? Oh, fuck. That part I forgot. Yeah. yeah. You gave me over 20 minutes worth of clips. So guess what didn't happen this week? Oh, shit. I gave you over. That was over 20 minutes? Yeah. Fuck. The, the first seven clips totaled up to over 10 minutes. I, I stopped counting I, after that. I'll, I'll be I'll be like completely honest. I didn't know if I was going to get any clips when I first watched this fucking movie. Well, so basically the clips are just going to come through absolutely raw. I didn't edit a fucking thing. I'm sticking to my purpose. So if the clips suck this week, everyone knows who to blame. Yeah, it's me. All right. So I'm set up. All the stuff is ready to go. And in, in the spirit of um, just not giving a shit, I suppose, pretty much all the music is just Cannibal Corpse because I couldn't find anything else that would fit this movie. Uh, well, <laughs> is there anything that can fit this fucking movie? Um, About 90 minutes worth of VHS. Yeah. Well, there Give you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, muting all the channels. Here we go. The following show will destroy your self-worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so-called entertainment should ever be allowed. Two talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema Psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcasting. Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. Welcome to Cinema PsyOps. We are sitting pretty at 224 episodes released weekly in a row, nonstop, no fucking breaks, every fucking week. I'm your host, Court. Sitting across from me at the table is Matt. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I felt oh, like hey, I just oh. did that before. Yeah, it's like we did it a bunch because equipment problems are still happening. <laughs> Yay! It's, it always happens when we get a third person in here. Yeah, and speaking of that third person, it's the keyboard warrior and the scavenger of the pre-pocalypse himself, Brandon. Don't blame this shit on me, man. Well, I'm not even looking at you right now. That's how bad I am at you. 
<laughs> no, we're not looking at him because anytime you tilt your head the other direction, you come through on his mic and mine all at once. Yeah, I do. No. And then you, you create an echoplex, the likes of which David Bowie would be jealous of. I don't even know the album that he started using that no, on, but I'll, just, it, I'll make a reference. It's because I'm, I'm totally mad at Bren. That's why. Not, not because of what you just said, which is scientific and correct. It's not because of that. Because of the logistics of this studio, no matter how much I try to muffle your fucking voice, it still takes over. I might just have to go into the corner where the bass is. I'm have you serious? tried like a basket with duct tape on it and like put it over his head? Um, I'm thinking about that. I actually have some extra foam. Uh, when we go to uh, the Alamo Drafthouse movie parties, they usually have foam props. And it's actually made out of soundproofing foam. It's the same type of high-density foam that they make soundproofing out of. More or less, it's probably extra stuff they have laying around that they just print shit on and then cut out. <laughs> I almost thought about doing this uh, in one of the buildings I work in right now. Yeah. We have people who do like a lot of audio work for the company and a, like, you know, they record stuff and everything. Yeah. And some guy at his desk had one of those little portable, you open it up and you could put a microphone in there and it makes a little soundproofing area. Yeah. Was like, and he was like, yeah, I'm leaving the company. And I think just sat there for weeks. And I was like, man, I could just take that, put it down here. And then it was gone. So see there, either A, somebody reclaimed it or B, somebody else had a better idea than me. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about building something like that that sits on the end of a microphone. So that no matter where I put you, like even if I give you the mic that Brandon's using right now, because your voice is more ideal for that mic. Yeah. Because it doesn't require, it requires like those a, cones for dogs, but reverse. I mean, that's basically what they, what it would be. It'd be like the a cone of shame. <laughs> yeah. When I first started doing this, I actually made one that I filled with foam. Like I actually put that in cups, but it affected the audio too much out of the, even though they were like these giant fucking like movie theater. Oh, like, I remember that. Cups, but it affected the audio. It made it sound weird. So I kept trying to find other ways of muffling the sound. And anytime Matt would talk outside of that cup, it would just echo through the whole entire goddamn room. Memories. And, and the way that he sits on the mic, he's always all over the place with the mic anyway, so his voice is always booming and echoing and getting caught everywhere else. I can't sit still. <laughs> so I almost do, like, I was talking about at one point in time actually building a wall with, like, a glass enclosure to where I could see through it, but basically building a wall that would cut off half the desk where he would be sitting to capture his voice. But then I just didn't feel like doing it. It was just too much fucking work. <laughs> that was really far. So <laughs> it's not that. It's just, like, I would have to build the frame. I'd have to procure all the stuff to do it, and then I'd have to lay in all the stuff with the glass. And I mean, I'm a moderately okay carpenter. I can build shit when I have to, but mostly it's like boxes and tables and then like a box to hold an audio rack. I can build that. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this like folding enclosure thing. Like I, I, I could probably do it, but I would rather have somebody else build the frame for me and then I'll maybe upholster it or something. There you go. I don't know. Maybe I'll talk to my brother-in-law to do it or I'll just build one that I can like, you know, just attach with Velcro to the end of the microphone, like a big ball that'll encompass his head. And then I don't <laughs> have to look at him and everything's good. Hey, listen, man, I could just start doing the show from home. All right. <laughs> well, that's your ultimate fucking dream. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah literally just to, just anything. Just to dial in. Well, that's what I want to do for my actual fucking job. I want to do that from home. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to have to go in anymore. We're very much the same. We don't really ever want to leave that our home or respective homes for any reason. Well, it's not that I don't ever want to leave my home. It's just that I don't want to leave my home to go to work because uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like people. You would think for your job you shouldn't have to. Well, where I'm at, they also force me to troubleshoot like oh. any issues and and help out with customer service so they make me 
Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's not that's that rough. I like the customer service folks. It's not that big of a problem. It's just that like I would seriously love to just get up in the morning and come down here and code at my desk. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally get that. I think almost anybody who codes or is an engineer would. Yeah. I mean, especially with being a coder, you know. Yeah. But I suppose if I transition into being a web developer, I could probably do that and do contract work. But enough about my boring fucking job and how Matt is lazy and doesn't even want to leave his house to do the show. It's not that I'm lazy. It's just that I don't like people. <laughs> you have to come here once a week. That's like, for the most part, that's the most you have to do for the show. Yeah, I know. I just, but that's on top of all the other times I have to leave the house. So it just doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. But all the other times you leave the house is for you to go to a bar to watch some kind of sports ball horse shit. No, all the other times I leave the house is go to my job. And then a bar to watch some sports ball horse shit. God, I really even do that now. It's gotten so bad. <laughs> not from your actual Facebook feed for your real name. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, boy. So this is not going to be an easy movie to talk about. We're beating around yeah, the bush. Yeah, we but, uh, really are, man, because I don't really want to do it. So we did a little experiment, actually, this week where I had you watch the low-res version, which is the first version that both Brandon and I saw. Pretty mm. much the bootleg version of it, which I feel personally works better. I don't like the HD print of this or the Blu-ray print of this because it, I don't know, it ruins the illusion and the feel of it being real for me because I can tell how it was made more. I got you. And then the low-res version, and that's why I had you watch that first, the low-res version version actually feels like a lot of it was actually shot on VHS and you don't see the effects that make it look like it was VHS though it was clearly shot on digital like you do in the HD version. No, you're on right. On the Blu-ray. That's why I had but you watch I, that I first. I should probably save that for the end, right? No, no. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but that's okay. kind of why I wanted you to do that is because that's how I felt and I want to do some comparing and contrasting in the scenes on which scenes work better in the low-res version for you versus the high-res version is basically what I'm getting at. There's there's really only one part of this whole movie that like the high-res version more that than the, for you more the, the, yeah. yeah it's really just one point i think it i think it actually takes the uh effect down for me because my brain automatically goes oh this is just a movie yeah whereas the original version that brandon brought this film to me this was another one of those like halloween party conversations where brandon i think just watched it and it was when i was going to school to become a programmer so we're back full circle yes and he was like i don't know when you're gonna be able to do movie nights again i know you're super busy with school but we got to have a hardcore night and you got to see this movie and he's trying to tell me about the poughkeepsie tapes without actually telling me me about the Poughkeepsie tapes because <laughs> yeah. he didn't want to spoil any of it. My wife and I actually watched it because um, when we watched it, it still wasn't released on any DVD or format. We watched it on YouTube. Yeah, this it, was like a couple of, like quite a few years ago. It was a while ago. Like at least six years ago because I've been at this company that I'm at now for five years. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so it had to have been at least six years ago and then I watched it at least five years ago with you and that same yeah. version because I think you ripped it from YouTube. Yeah. Spoiler alert, people do that kind of stuff. You it happens. You wouldn't download a house, would you? Fuck yes, I would. If I, I could get it for free. I, I could totally 3D print a car a or a house. I totally would. Yeah. I would. Shit, I'd 3D print a new me and send him to work. Yeah, right. If I could get away with it. Give him just enough knowledge to do the job and let him go. Make sure you take away that you don't need for personal freedom that you have. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime yeah. you clone yourself, you always have to do that. Yeah, because that's strong within you. You that, The clone you and you would go to a fight to the death, and I don't know how that's going to go. The personal freedom thing is more or less just a fuck you, I won't do what you tell me attitude that I have with everything. Yeah, you better not have that your clone or else I don't know what's going to happen. Me without willpower would basically be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, we're, we're off the rails already. The show's going to go way over long. We have a guest in the house and we're talking about the Poughkeepsie tapes this week. And because Matt didn't do any of the instructions, we followed for the clips. All the clips are fucked. And I followed suit by just downloading the audio for the trailer and not even giving a shit to edit it. So with that in mind, here's the Legion Patreon ad. Please give us some money on Legion. This will keep you quiet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. fucked up this should have been our christmas episode matt oh, oh God damn man, it. we weren't thinking oh this would have been a perfect fucking christmas episode be happy holidays because there's nothing more that makes me think of christmas quite like the poughkeepsie tapes trailer there's fallout out there please do something do something do no, something it's a missing person. person we have to wait 24 hours no there is Today, police made a shocking discovery in Poughkeepsie. A third body was found here today. A Poughkeepsie couple vanished over the weekend, seemingly without a trace. Do you mind if I film this? I'm making a little movie about my trip.
See how boring that shit is when you don't fucking edit it, Matt? <laughs> well, that's... Well, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, uh... Your four-minute clips that you grabbed are sure going to be fun to listen to and sit here. This could be great. Uh, you know what, though? There wasn't a ton of dead space like this, because I didn't do a lot. I almost didn't. Yeah, no we got that. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> you didn't do much, yeah. Next time you true. do the notes, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think if I put Brandon to task on your job, he would do it quite well, and well, would probably surpass me in audio editing and take over the show. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> don't thank him. He's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, most of my clips aren't actually nothing killer wise. It's all the people who talk during the uh, documentary. Well, that's because that's what the movie is, is mostly just people talking during a documentary. Yeah, right. But I didn't. It, the killer stuff, that's the part that's a lot of dead space. Anyway, we uh, start at the opening of a funeral and mixed in with a tape of a happy looking young woman. And uh man's talking uh, about. Uh, what uh, happened to Cheryl Dempsey being one of the worst things that he has ever seen. Uh, then we get a sort of a more gritty look uh, as we see somebody uh, disturbing the grave of, you know, you're, you're not to assume who it is yet, but the person uh, I think in the HD print you can see what should be her name on a tombstone probably. and then if you look close enough you can actually see the outline of her body and you can kind of put two and two together to intuit that the actual VHS footage of the younger girl is the adult dead woman there in the uh, fucking casket. Yes. Then we go blank and it states part one the tapes. And we start with our first clip. I had a tenant in this house here who was a very terrible person. This is the house where they found the Poughkeepsie tapes. Before we got our hands on the Poughkeepsie tapes we thought well, we knew there had been some killings and we were aware that some of them appeared as though they were being carried out in an organized fashion, but until we got our hands on those tapes, we had no idea what we were dealing with. No idea. It was my job to watch and log all 2,400 hours of the Poughkeepsie tapes. In the first month alone, I couldn't sleep for more than an hour or two at night. I still have nightmares about them. I think torturing and murdering turn him on, and I think these tapes are something of a homemade porn film or a memento that he can save for long after the murder. He has definitely stalled halfway through many a killing to switch tapes. I remember one night I brought some of the tapes home with me to keep working and unbeknownst to me, uh, my wife watched about half an hour of one of the tapes and uh, it took her a year before she let me touch her again. Okay. Yeah, so that must be... Okay, and my number one problem with that is here with this. First of all, why would you bring something you know that's horrifying home with you? Number one, I don't believe the authorities would let you, even if you're reviewing them. They would keep those locked in, you know, in, in some evidence chamber. And two... He may have brought it home as like a digital file, but he basically says he brought the tapes home, which is yeah. evidence, which he should not be taking evidence outside of an evidence locker at all. And then two... A question for the wife. Why are you watching these horrific... You know he's probably telling her, yeah, I'm having to watch some horrific shit right now. And she's like, well, time to watch it. He couldn't it. sleep for more than an hour a night. So yeah. it had to be more morbid curiosity. In her brain, she's like, well, how bad can it be? Yeah, yeah well. and, and then she had to check it out. And like most of the footage on these videotapes easily, you know, go longer than five minutes. So like yeah. at some point you're going to get to, oh God, what am I watching right now? Because you, you'd assume that he has already gotten past most of the softer stuff, the lead up to before he does something to someone 
like and, yelling at yeah. like prostitutes to blow up balloons and then jump. Yeah, on that's them. that's yeah. probably a very small portion part. of his yeah. videotapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, but so all of that is just like. But he might he may also just felt like comfortable being at home. Like if this is as heinous shit as he was watching, if he's watching at home, at least he's in a safe place. But I wouldn't want to bring but it to my home. I wouldn't either. I would want my home to be my sanctuary away from that horse shit if I have to watch Maybe it. Maybe he just works harder than you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, congrats. His wife wouldn't touch him for a year. Sorry. <laughs> what a dipshit. <laughs> You're so, ha! He showed you. <laughs> Please. None of our wives are touching us for the next year. <laughs> My wife is the one who showed me this movie in the first place. So. But she thought it was about aliens. She didn't actually dig into it before she started looking at it. We literally just turned it on and we're like, oh, this is not about aliens. It does. The <laughs> you guys cover that I saw yeah. could almost make this an alien type found food, uh, well, they, footage They movie. made it look kind of like the fourth kind or whatever that was actually released before that, what the original poster was. It looks kind of like the fourth kind. Yeah. And I could see where you would totally believe that, where maybe they're like, you know, taping alien abduction things that are happening or something. But also, he and his wife, Brandon and his wife, play streaming roulette all the time, oh. where they're like, oh, this has really low ratings. Let's see how bad it can be. <laughs> like, they love to torture each other with, like, the worst choices you can think of in a streaming. Like, the stuff that I've seen them posting that they watch online, I'm like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen, like, we're yeah. watching this tonight. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> no, I got into this because my wife likes found footage movies. And I was like, oh, God, okay. That's, that's why I skipped through it. And as soon as it got into it, and it was like America's Most Wanted, it, it felt like that kind of unsolved mystery oh, yeah, sort of. Totally yeah, totally. I was totally like, oh, wanted. this is different. Okay, I'll, I'll watch this. This is pretty good. It would be great if Robert Stack was still alive, could have narrated this The thing. thing that this movie does really well, actually, is do that documentarian, specifically for the sensationalized about serial killers and uh, mass murderer type documentaries that used to be on A&E because they're extremely sensationalized and they really lean into that when they do this film. Especially when they start showing you some of the footage that's on the tapes, they really, really lean into it. And it's very authentic for that type of entertainment. Yeah, and currently on, well, any channel now you turn, there's all kinds of crime shows everywhere. Like, this reminds me a lot of Homicide Hunters, I don't watch that, but of the guy telling his stories about him dealing with fucked up shit. Um, there was one I used to watch called Most Evil that this reminds me of as well. Yeah, yeah. I think they just keep regurgitating they just find another you know narrator and just do the same a, stories an old with cop the same who's telling his stories whatever yeah um, well the world's never going to run out of serial killers no. not while I'm at it and you have to go <laughs> you, you don't even have to go into serial killers you can just yeah, do regular I, criminals and there's always apparently yeah mass murderers uh, motorcycle club that are technically gang but they want to be called clubs it's a club man we just leave it alone <laughs> it's a club that deals meth and you know murders people that get in their way well, I mean I would say that the club is at hardcore it's still just a club <laughs> yeah it's the top one yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we come from this to a uh, landlady explaining, like showing a closet where they found the tapes, uh, pointing to a door, uh, saying that's the cellar and they all know what they found down there. Then we cut to an officer in the backyard explaining where they found a, a mass grave of his victims' bodies, including a mother, father, and a 10-month-old baby. Well, he buried them in different locations, but it's the whole backyard is a giant grave. Well, they're finding pieces, at least, because, yeah. yeah it's not all his victims. No. Just some of them. Some bits here and there. Yeah. Things that he wanted to keep. Yeah. Things he wanted close. So he'd go outside to his backyard and reminisce. Or dig up and have some more fun with later. That too. I mean, uh, I'm just going by personal experience. That's all. Yes, Court, we get it. You're a serial killer. Just no, put it down over there. No one said that. Yeah, you actually just said it a bit ago. No. Yeah. No. I mean, you can edit he it out. He leases the you bodies. He doesn't tell. do the killing him. No. <laughs> I just leave the bodies. <laughs> that is the worst necrophilic murder ever. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, we have a, the guy who's been watching the tapes. He lines them all the way up into a very long line of uh, tapes and says that a very large section of them are all about Cheryl. So poor Cheryl with through some horrific shit. Well, and he demonstrates it by starting. Walking, like, and he yeah. says from here, and then he keeps walking, keep all the way to here. And the majority of the tapes either are about her or have her in it. Yeah, it's all part of her being there or yeah. mainly featured. Yeah. And even if somebody else is getting in these tapes is getting horrifically murdered, Cheryl is being tortured at the same time. Or participating in or the murder. Or participating in the murder. Yeah. Um, uh, we go back to one of the agents who talks about how you know America has a misconception that serial killers are rare. They're not very rare. There are actually many active serial killers and it's a problem because a lot of people don't believe it. They said there's like 25 to 50. And that's in the United States alone. And then yeah. they demonstrate that by having an America, like an outline of the map of America. The With continental like red, almost like outbreak or some shit like that. Well, and it's wrapped in gauze and then it's bleeding through the gauze. That's yeah. how they demonstrate it. That's, oh, yeah. I wanted to pr- point that out because it just goes to show the sensationalization of these types of documentaries that this is emulating and doing it quite well. Um, we then cut to the talking about how some of the uh, the guy who's watching the tapes talks about how there's some of the tapes are just weird balloon <laughs> stuff and we see what most likely is probably a prostitute uh, blowing up a balloon sitting on it and when he she's tr- and she's bouncing on it then he tells her to break it, it she didn't hear she goes what he yells it gets really pissed off to let tells her to pop it so yeah she's bouncing on it yeah. and then he yells at her to pop it and yeah. honestly this is probably the most normal thing i've ever seen comparatively for this type of yeah. guy yeah right i mean like his whole balloon fetish thing it's consensual yeah Yeah. i mean he's obviously paying her and it seems like while she may be terrified of him because of how like angry and violent he is he's also just basically having her blow up a balloon and then pop it by bouncing up and down on it and yet that's the thing that they're like oh that's weird balloon stuff no that's just some fetish it was 2007 2006 when they yeah but but even kink shaming wasn't a thing you could kink shame and get away with it back then apparently but it's not like he was making her fucking peach squat cobbler or anything listen man we've watched enough of your home well, movies. Can I mean, you just stop it already? They're also not going to dive in. Like, they have to give you something like, at least... <laughs> they got to start you a, out A little slow. bit of weird, like, like, well, that's that's strange to normal America, and then we'll dive right in. Right, but I'm what I'm getting at is like, <clears throat> in this day and age, when you're watching that oh, yeah. now, like, I'm like, he didn't do a squat cobbler, he didn't make her, like, shit in his mouth, or, yeah. or, or like, he didn't shit in her mouth, or like, anything that, like, would normally most people would automatically have a gross-out reaction to. He had her blow up a balloon and then sit on it and pop it. You tell Court's really depressed about no but he was shitting in anybody's mouth. <laughs> I'm not that German. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, then we cut to part two, First Blood. Um, a profiler of a class is talking to his uh, students, stating that after they watch what they are about to watch, three of them will not come back the next day. This guy was not a good enough actor and was overselling his role way too much and really kind of ruined it for me this time around. You know what, though? I didn't mind it, especially on the uh, uh, when I'm watching the low-grade version. Uh-huh. Is it almost seems like, to me, instead of a guy trying to overact, it seems like a guy knowing he's being filmed for a documentary trying to make himself seem really important like he needs to be famous and important and that's why I didn't mind that. Well I agree with you in the low res version it does come across that way because yeah. some of his outrageous facial expressions don't register with you. Uh-huh. So it just looks like a guy who's trying to really be dramatic for the camera for his class but then when you watch the high res version for me it obviously is an actor who is really overselling his role and trying to stand out and I'm like oh my god just shut up dude. <laughs> You'll see that a lot in uh, the current 
version of like these homicide hunters, these crime shows. I know. There's that, always that, that one profiler. Always, especially when they go into their own reenactments yeah. of what it actually is. Oh, those are the worst. Um, they, the reenactments are the worst. They do see now, of, of course, this is supposed to be a real guy, not just a not just a reenactment of what And he worked on happened. the case, right? He was one of the guys yeah, that was on the Poughkeepsie Tapes case, and that's yeah. why he's Yeah, he's a profiler this. for the case. Yeah. But I, I just, I got that he was a man who likes to, he's getting a little bit of fame because he was the profiler for this and likes to kind of glob onto it. It's probably because he reminded me of a less charismatic Robert Evans and that bugged me because I just wanted it to be Robert Evans. Yeah. <laughs> um, another FBI agent guesses that something probably happened in his life at this time. Whether it was he got divorced, lost his job, but something lifted him to this next level of violence. And then we see a video of the killer who he's shooting the video and he finds a little girl playing by herself in her front lawn. After talking to her a little bit and she doesn't really want to talk to him, uh, he says, do you want to see what it looks like on the other side of this camera? And she keeps saying no, no, and then the camera kind of goes away and you hear like a thump like he hits her with something, but it was bad. I thought he hit her with the camera, but... Yeah. Well, or a hammer or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't trying, think it was the camera. He was he, he was using the camera as an excuse to get closer to her so that he could clobber her and take her. Yep. And then, yes, he runs away, dragging her away. I, I think the exchange they had was uh, was kind of really creepy where he's like, was. Hey, he's like, hey, you, you know, you want to see this? And she's like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. What's your, what's your name and, and your dolls? Uh, yeah. And, and he's like, well, you, you should have, you know, I think it was like manners. You should, have better like, manners. You, sh- you should also, you should also be polite or, or have better manners. Yeah. You just because I'm a stranger oh, doesn't it, mean you have to be rude or whatever. Whoever they got to play this guy, his voice is fucking just creepy slash annoying. Like I'm creeped out by you. And I also kind of want to punch you in the face clip. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we cut to a cop and he states uh, that the inspection of the body, uh, the body was found almost 50 miles away. And we see that the head was caved in by some blunt force trauma. Um, and they know it was a little girl. The clothes matched. And, you know, they, they found a girl who was missing just 50 miles away. So but we show he does have a radius. He'll travel to dump a body. Um, we hear a 911 call after that where the, the mom was like, my daughter's been taken. And they're like a missing person, you know, my young, you know, my baby daughter who's like not even eight. And then I haven't went operating. Got to wait 24 hours. And here's one of the parts of the movie that, you know, I don't, I, I can't identify with. And there's only a few of these parts is they make it act like this movie was being done. The, the time frame is the 90s right now. And they act like it's still like either the early 80s or the 70s. Even in the 90s, would one kid, if it, it was a kid who went missing, there wasn't no wait 24 hours for a missing person. They had already... Now, we did have Amber Alerts, but cops were all over the fucking place. And then the minute you mentioned blood at the scene, there was a billion cops, especially because it was a white girl. So, of course, they're going to go crazy. Media would be all over that town. It would be nuts. Some of this is due to the fact that they are first-time writers and first-time filmmakers. Yes. And may I, not and have I get it. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying things that might that take me out of it a little bit, and this is one no, of them. No, I don't I don't disagree. Um, I think that what they were looking for is a reason to have the mother screaming about all the stuff and give you the story about what happened to tell you that there was blood at the scene and i just think that they could have handled it a little bit better but yeah generally 911 operators are are trained to not escalate things like that so yeah. they, they usually calm it down and, and they would send police out there yeah i mean if out. it's a child like, yeah if you say my 17 year old kid i haven't seen him yeah they, then you might I get just the, saw her and now you, she's gone you know you might get the you have to wait 24 hours or if it's like my wife or my husband you have to wait 24 hours but when it comes to children even in the 90s you'd have a billion cops and cnn
CNN and especially Fox supposed News to be would a, be all over the place. If it's well, supposed they, to be a small town, I, I mean, yeah. cops who don't have a lot to do, oh, they're going to jump on that. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know how big of a town Poughkeepsie is, but isn't that where she went missing or did she yeah, go missing? Yeah, there is, I yeah. So. yeah, in Poughkeepsie, yeah. Well, there's some of the people go missing in like Reading, Pennsylvania and stuff yeah. like that, which yeah. is a little bit smaller of a town, but I think Poughkeepsie is a moderately sized town. Yeah. It's and, enough to apparently have a SWAT team. Yeah, exactly. And But yeah, the fact that a little girl goes missing, yeah, CNN would be up everyone's ass, you know? Well, yeah, the 24-hour news cycle needs to feed fresh tragedy. And that existed tragedy. in the 90s, so I'm yeah. just saying. And that's what it fed on, was fresh yeah. tragedy. Uh-huh, exactly. I mean, but I get that, yes, new new movie makers, you know, they had to find a way to, do, to further on this story. Yeah, this isn't a perfect movie, but the overall effect is still quite good. Yes, it is. It, like I said, the, I was taken out of it for a little bit, but it pulls you right back in. Um, just when he thought he was out. Yes. We uh, cut to her parents being interviewed, and that is our next clip. Obviously, you don't ever get over something like this. You you think the pain will subside, and um, and uh, and um, get 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 better, but it doesn't. Not at all. What kind of a, a sick bastard rapes a little girl? She was just a child. She was barely eight. This is nothing. He doesn't even know what he's doing yet. We then cut to uh, part three, getting better. Um, he is picked up, the killer is picked up by a couple. He's stating his car was broken down. And uh, they ask him for his name. He says his name's Ed. And they are Frank and Jeanette. Uh, he points them to a gas station just down the road and says that they could just drop them off there. That'd be great. Uh, as they're driving, they're kind of talking back and forth. And she keeps kind of like, hey, where are you from around here? And he keeps saying, well, no, the, the gas station's right there. He keeps being a little bit just kind of off. Yeah, he's being very elusive about everything she's trying to say and ask questions because he doesn't want any of that on tape because he doesn't yep. want to have to edit it later. And then he nails Frank in the head, uh, causing Jeanette to scream, crash in the car. What was really cool is you actually see him using the camera where he yeah. looks down at the bag and you see him grab the hammer and he shows like he's videoing this for our viewing yep. purposes. Yes. Like he wants to show everybody just how fucking good he is at doing this. He wants everyone to know what he's done and yeah. how it was done. Yeah. Um. He knocks out, let's just say, knocks out Frank, and then uh, he chloroforms Jeanette until she passes out. This actually does lead to our next clip. Over the weekend, seemingly without a trace, family members say they haven't heard from Frank or Jeanette Anderson since they left Pittsburgh last Friday. Authorities still have no leads as to the couple's whereabouts. This homicide announces a completely new kind of killer. There is almost nothing left of the impulsiveness he displayed with Jennifer Gorman. Here is a man who's figured out he's good at something. Imagine what it would take to do this. From the seat behind her, he takes a rag with some sort of chemical agent with his right hand, and he places it over her mouth. And with his left hand holding the camera, he's reaching it out and holding it in front of her face like this. And this isn't the kind of thing that just happens. He must have practiced this motion thoroughly to get it right. I mean, his car is parked alongside the road. He knows where the next gas station is. He knows that it's only a mile or two off the freeway. And he knows that it's a desolate area between the freeway and the gas station. In fact, the station is abandoned. And I'll bet he knows that too. And he had a ready-made excuse for the camera. 
This man is what we call a mixed killer. He plots and hides his crimes in an organized manner, but he mutilates and does, well, let's say, similar things with the bodies that a disorganized killer would do. And now we cut to the only, probably the only scene where I like the high def version better than the low res version that I watched the first time. And that's a clip of Jeanette kind of asleep. He wakes her up and says he has a surprise for her. And when she looks down, he has sewn her husband's head into her stomach. But with the head still sticking out. And but the, the head time still, could, the face still sticking out yeah, so you, you could, could see it. You could actually see it better in the HD version. Yeah, yeah. and it still looked good in the HD version. Well, the effect yeah. looked great, yes, yeah. but the... In the low res version i could barely tell you could kind of see the outline you kind of knew what was happening yeah but in the high-res version you can really see it it's and you can see her horrified look on her face a lot better yeah. whoever that actress was she did a great job yeah. of being just horrified yeah so yeah that was fucked up all right their remains were found and but yet her head her remains were found without a head or hands and for a while they thought that the head in the stomach was a part of that same body until the uh, autopsy determined that it was the body was, of course, female. The head was male. So we were, they were, in fact, dealing with two bodies. So even when they found it, they didn't know how quite horrifying this was going to be. And they actually found out from the coroner's report, the man was killed by the hammer blow. He was yeah, dead. Yeah, Frank er, Frank was killed uh, on screen when we saw Brad, it in the that, car. That hammer blow, he actually specifically killed him. He didn't just knock him out, although yeah. you think he may have just knocked him out. Yeah. You're not 100% sure, but when she comes to, the whole entire thing that he wanted was to torture a woman. That's all he's all about. Yeah. It, he's men, a sexual sadist men are just like, men die quick it, it, only if they're in his way yeah or serve a purpose and they're going to die quick yeah the, it's the women who he he is specifically targeting to suffer yeah, he's efficient yeah he's a and very they, they sexual just, sadist. they just get yeah. in yes. the way and if he has to you know more effort to get them out of the way it just pisses off yeah and then yeah. he really takes it out on their corpse yes Although sometimes, or sometimes he just goes crazy on the corpse to you know move thoughts aside to well, make yeah, people to, think differently or build a different profile yeah because he's Cause very he's smart he's very aware of the profile and he's very yeah. aware of how to change things up and play up the profile yeah yeah uh one agent talks about how uh, talking to their family they were coming home from pittsburgh to poughkeepsie and the good thing about that is there are only so many routes you can take to get that done so and i believe they said like two or three routes so they took all the gas stations from each routes and got all the video this is the hybrid human that he made out of the two of them by putting his head in her stomach yes that's the same couple that they're talking about yes yeah. exactly yes i'm sorry and the they check a security tapes from all these uh, gas stations on this route and they get their first image of the killer, not his face, but they see the killer and that is more explained in our next clip. What's he doing with his hand? He's signing. That's right. Everybody know what he's saying? Red House. Good. Alright, uh, we found the second body in the woods behind a place called the Red House Tavern about three miles away. But the thing to keep in mind is this. He signed this before he even met the Andersons. Timeliness is of the essence in any investigation, but especially a murder. If we find a fresh crime scene, there's just a lot more information to work with than, say, a skeleton. Often the serial killers who avoid detection and capture are the ones who are especially good at disposing of bodies. The killer documented on the Poughkeepsie tapes is very, very good at it. Not only does he know how to dispose of bodies, he knows how to dispose of bodies in many different ways. 
Elizabeth Jackson was abducted in Hanson County, which is about 100 miles from the location we later found the tapes in. The killer then took a circular saw and cut off her head and hands. He then dumped her torso in Putnam County and her head and hands in Broome County. When someone's disposed of like this, it's almost impossible to put it all together because even if the various counties did talk, and they don't, but even if they did, there may be a, a five-year gap between finding the head and the torso of a body like this. I see this and I say, okay, here's a killer who understands bureaucracy. Usually a killer won't think through their first dismembering. And they have a dead body in the house and they need to take it apart. So they go out into the garage and get a saw and take some hours to get the head off. <laughs> so then the next time they'll go and get a better saw before they kill someone. And that makes it a little better, but um, if they really wanna get into the killing, they'll often go and get a real saw. Something that cuts through quick and easy. And at that point, they'll never you know, go back to a handsaw, except this guy. He did it repeatedly. Sometimes he uses a circular saw, sometimes a handsaw. It's part of the reason that we never grouped his killings together. It's probably why he did it. But after all that effort to mask his killings, he shows us each and every disassembly in his tapes. I guess he just wanted someone to appreciate how good he is at this and the thought that maybe we'd be strangely sort of impressed with it. Are you? No. After seeing what he did to Cheryl Dempsey, I could feel nothing but loathing for this guy. And that takes us to part four, Cheryl Dempsey. Uh, we see video of the killer stalking Cheryl. Uh, even listening to her conversations, I can't tell if he's using like a like a listening device or she's if he on, actually planted she, bugs. She's on a cordless phone, so what he was doing is use, using a high-frequency scanner okay. to try to find the frequency that her cordless phone was on so that he could listen to her phone call. Jesus. Not that I know how to do that. Yeah, that was, or... a, little, that was a little too involved. Um, yeah, I know some shit yeah <laughs> i i like on that clip though going back and we're watching this again because this was 2007 and learning how the fbi really didn't talk with the just the fbi themselves yeah. until like 2010 or 11 didn't have a system to properly talk to each other they had to go through paperwork to get things done to even like branches communicating and it, looking at that now it's like i could totally believe you know podunk county police here and these over here that you know they have kind of a air about them like i'm not gonna yeah it wasn't you know, until like the actual like uh databases for genetics like, you know, the whatever DNA databases they started putting into place, you know, that were universal. They didn't start doing that until the later 2000s, like heavily. And it wasn't until those got put into place that they really started busting and solving crimes. And they actually found out that, hey, we put the wrong person behind bars for things for a lot of cases, too. There was a ton of stuff that got overturned, like murder trials and things like that. Whenever the DNA stuff started being processed and they realized that, you know, somebody got framed or what have you. Yeah, the, the up till like 2008, they had been trying to find a way to get their 
shit together. And uh, um, in a book that I read about Scrum, the creators of that, they actually work with the FBI and got them basically to come up with a better process of what they what they're doing. Long story short, and so now they don't. They're much more efficient than they ever were. Before, but uh, yeah, I could totally see how that plays with you know, especially in the nineties because everything's fucking out of order. Yeah, well, especially because there wasn't like you know internet connecting all of these places with databases for law enforcement and then international databases and all that stuff. You could really get away with being a complete piece of shit back in that time frame. But the fun's over with now. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the killer then breaks into Cheryl's home. Uh, she is showering. She hears something. And he's kind of like throwing her clothes around, and he hits like he knocks into like the dresser. She hears it. And she starts calling out, and she thinks maybe it's her boyfriend Tim. He keeps quiet. Even enters into the bathroom. He's staring right at the shower. Who and then Tim shows up. Uh, the killer's able to place a camera, so it's kind of watching the room, and then go hide in the closet. Uh, Tim and Cheryl talk for a bit, and they decide to go downstairs and watch a movie. Uh, and then it kind of goes night. Everything's kind of dark now, and the killer comes out. He's wearing a mask, uh, obviously. And uh, this sequence is the one that probably gives most people pause and nightmares, and it's the one that sticks in your head the most. The way yeah. he so easily maneuvers through and toys with her, and then adjusts his game when the boyfriend is actually there and he wasn't expecting him to be. Yep. But then finds a way to adapt to it and then uses it to his advantage to fuck with her even it's, more. It's those nightmare scenarios where people like, well, I, you know, for some reason somebody lives alone. You, you've seen, you, I've, you've seen news stories on this. So they live alone and they're like, I always noticed like food went missing, and so one day they set up like a camera in their house and they leave the house like to go to work. Yeah. And somebody comes out from like a fucking addict who lives up there just because they're homeless and they found a place to live and takes their food and they were harmless. They would never hurt the person. They were just using their place for food. But fuck, you know, that's horrifying. Yeah. And he does a couple of different things where like he fucks with her clothes and he throws yeah. her clothes out of the way so that she and she even mentions that to her boyfriends. Like, why'd you throw my clothes all around? It's, and yeah. he goes and he's like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. And she's like, well, they were right here and now they're all over the place. And neither one of them put two and two together because she just thinks the boyfriend's being playful. The boyfriend is only thinking about getting some nookie, really. The only thing that works for me for the higher res version here, because I was able to kind of let go of the fact that it doesn't look like VHS and I was getting back into the movie at this point, and there are sequences where you can see his mask floating up and down. The nose doesn't pop out, but the eyes are still there. You see it. Where he's got his head tilted down and he's leaning up and down, and you see the mask moving so that he can watch them through the doorway. And he specifically pointed the camera and put the camera where he did so that it was pointing right at that door so you could see it. Now, I don't understand how they didn't notice the camera. Like, they should have shown where he was going to hide the camera a little bit better or give you an idea that he hid the camera somehow. Yeah. Yeah, because when this, whatever year this is supposed to be, the, you know, cameras are not It's all supposed to be taking place in the 90s. So. Yeah. Right now, it probably because they're all live, this is all taking place probably mid-90s, mid-90s. Well, and he's supposed to be using a VHS because they're all VHS tapes. And a VHS yeah. camcorder is gigantic. Yes. Especially no, the early, even the, the ones with the, with the little tapes that you could convert the little, I don't yeah. know what they're called, but, but, they're, those, are but still, no, those are tapes like that. They're all yeah. full-size tapes that they find, so. Yeah, and then he goes to Hi8 later. We do see a Hi8 tape that's mm-hmm. like a Hi8 digital tape left behind at one of the killings, or not at the killings, but like when he pulls the body out of the grave, they do show that there was a Hi8 tape yeah. there. 
there. So that makes sense. You know, you can kind of see some of the stuff. And I could see where, like, maybe he would evolve his camera equipment and then maybe the VHS tapes would have gone to digital tapes later mm -hmm. and been numbered sequentially. But they didn't do anything like that. They relied solely on VHS. Yes. And it just doesn't look like anything that was dubbed on VHS. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, he comes out of hiding, grabs the camera, he comes down, and um, Cheryl and her boyfriend are kind of asleep on a couch right now. Uh, Best kind of snuggling, falling asleep, watching a movie. Yep. It's very sweet, very romantic, and, he's, and you're watching this through very, his perspective while he's stalking around them, and it's creepy as fuck. Because it's dark everywhere except for the TV. He's like right next to him, and they wake up, and he's still kind of, he just backs off a little bit. He's still right there, though, but they're probably half awake, just waking up, and she says, you know, that he's gonna, the boyfriend's going to stay over, so she's going to go up to use the bathroom and then go to bed. Well, and, she said she just wants to brush her teeth and go yeah. to bed when and he, he take she care wants of the him to yeah, uh, clean up the dishes. She doesn't want him sitting out there. He says yes, so he goes into the kitchen, and the killer follows him and stabs him, I think, right in the back of the head or the neck. Um, Just enough to paralyze him. I don't know. I couldn't tell where, but it was I, enough to at least paralyze him or to make sure that he's down for the count. Yeah, he's down for the count. Yeah. I, he might even be dead at this point well, or bleeding out. If he's not, he's not going to be able to do much to stop yeah. what's about to happen. Cheryl then sees him, and she runs from him. She's trying to run from him, and he catches up to her, and the camera kind of falls by the wayside, but you see the shadow of him like almost just pretty much beating on her head while she's down on the ground. Yeah, he punches the shit out of her until yeah. he knocks her out, Yeah, basically, and she's fighting for her life, yeah. and the shadow puppetry that they do works really well. I, yeah, that was fucking, very effective. It's, yeah, it's very disturbing. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think I think that uh, in most horror movies, they always try and drag that scene out where the woman runs away from the killer, and they want I think this is more realistic. It's like, this guy knows what he's doing. You're not getting away. It's it's done. Well, and the actress does that, like, run around the corner, slipping yep. on her socked feet and falls down, like, and hits hard on her hip. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't just slow down and walk up to her. He darts to where she's at. He's taking and, advantage. <laughs> and that's when the camera falls during that struggle, and that's when we see just the shadows and the beating. But it's like, she's down, and that's it. It's over with. Uh, we then cut to a news report that Cheryl's parents came home to find her missing and her boyfriend horrifically murdered. Uh, her best friend says that Cheryl just days before had said, had asked her if she ever felt like she was being watched and followed and that Cheryl was feeling like that as well. Well, he didn't just uh, horrifically murder the guy. Like they actually show right after he knocks her out and she's subdued. Yeah. He goes back and starts beating on the guy's head with whatever. He starts stabbing it. Yeah. Yeah. While he's videotaping it with the camera, he's, like he's yeah. just frenzy killing that. Yep. And it's debatable on whether or not his frustration of it not going his way and he's taking it out on the corpse of the boyfriend or if he's doing that to mix up the profile and cover up I, I'm he's sure doing. he's doing it to mix up the profile this guy is, is too smart to get frustrated like that I don't know though there's he, some he scenes where he shit. yeah he loses his shit quite frequently so I think he has yeah. those impulse control issues but then I think what he does is he finds a way to work that into his overall plan I think he's just really good at adapting on the fly because he is be. so intelligent yeah but I also think sometimes like, what you guys are hearing as like him losing it these grunts and everything is going to be kind of to me explained in this scene because we see Cheryl we cut to Cheryl being hogtied and she's begging the killer to let her go and he shows up and now we kind of get a more of a size relative to him and he is not a large man he's a very small man so a lot of the times I think when he's like yelling and grunting and stuff when he was killing the boyfriend I think it's because he doesn't have a lot of strength behind that and it's another reason why he doesn't face any men head on he attacks him from behind because he could not take many men face to face even with a weapon he's a very small man, which I think deals more with his personality and why he's kind of like this. Very I'm sure in his real killers, life... Very few serial killers are extremely strong and yeah. also brave. They yeah. go for the easy 
prey because they want to not have to they're usually put phys- up much of a fight. Usually, Many times they're yeah. physically they're weak and cowards. Yeah. Well, they're and like <laughs> a good example of that is like Carl Panzeram, who liked to just basically smash people, and that's what he got off on. He loved to hold someone down and do horrible things to them, and then destroy them physically afterwards after sexually destroying them. Like he loved to degrade people and like make basically anyone that was strong. He liked to make them feel weak. Like that was his thing. Yeah. And he's a very rare type of serial killer. There's not many of them like that out there. Well, it, at least this one. Yeah, I can't I can't speak to other serial killers. I don't know. I, yeah. You guys would be the ones who would be more the experts on that. Well, Just I, this particular one, probably he's in his real life is fairly mousy. Fairly doesn't probably make a, you know, he's probably that co-worker who you just kind of see Monday through Friday and don't yeah. think much out other, well, you know, outside of work. Well, until we actually see more of him interacting with other people, the only time that you get a hint that he has anger control and impulse control issues is when he's yelling at the hooker, or yeah. I'm assuming hooker, but the lady that's popping the balloon for him. So if he has that kind of rage when she just misunderstands what he's trying to say with the balloon, well, that's true and he too. can't control himself, imagine like the boyfriend gets up and moves to the kitchen where he doesn't want him to be it's in. A, it's a great mix though. They separate where he can't do it. But yeah, like I think what he's doing is he has those rage impulse control issues, but then when he's done with whatever raging, crazy, killing frenzy that he, he does, then he goes from there. Then he figures out a way to work it into what it is that he's trying to do and to cover his tracks. That's not a bad idea, too. Uh, it's just another interpretation. I mean, it's like they, yeah, leave it, it, they leave it they wide leave open, it wide open yeah. for anybody to think of. That's, now we're trying to become these profilers. Are you seeing in the? Yeah, we're gonna, uh, we got to put more importance. I, in I would voice. love to see because on on Wired on uh, the YouTube channel, sometimes they'll have experts who watch movies like they'll have a like a they, slasher they would, film they would, or something. They would, they would have a profiler come on for like the the CIA or FBI or whatever, and they would watch a clip and they say, "Oh, that's not what would happen. Oh, they would never do that. That this would never happen. This is not how we would look at that." I, I would like them to look at this and to see what their thoughts be. Yeah, because the folks that wrote this did do a lot of research on serial killer documentaries and stuff like that, and they did a lot of what they 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 did do deep dives and found out and read about a bunch of stuff, including the lady who played Cheryl because she's actually married to one of the the director, I believe, because it's a set of brothers that, that yeah. did it. One's a producer and one's a director, and I think she married the director, and mm. they were married before the film yeah. took place, and they were working on the film um at like on their honeymoon or something like that. They were talking about the film as well and, and doing some plots. I watched some behind the scenes stuff on it. Nice, and um they were doing a deep dive and even she was doing research and they were kind of looking at all of these different types of serial killers and trying to basically make this guy an amalgamation. So I feel like the way that they did that where they're making him like an amalgamation, it works in the benefit because he is this like really fluid, non-profile fitting, moving in and out to cover his tracks. But I think when they said that he's a, a mixed killer where he's disorganized and organized, I think the organization comes in secondary after he does the thing that he wants to do. I think he's just super good at covering his tracks and knowing how forensics and profiling works which is horrifying <laughs> yeah um in the scene uh he tells her that her name uh, yes her name she says cheryl he says that's wrong that her name is slave and he, yeah, he keeps he doesn't having just say, her he just doesn't say it's wrong he yeah. punches her in the rib cage as yes. hard as he can yeah and then yells it at her and then he keeps uh, having her say it over and over again that she is her name is slave and it's important to note that she is hogtied in a way that oh. will break your fucking back yeah it's horrific it's horrifically i don't know how that actress bent like that but uh, apparently she was, I don't know if she was working at it or something like that, but she gave it a try where she hogtied herself like that with scarfs. Oof. Like there was something that she was talking about where she wanted to see if she That's could do it. That's being dedicated to your craft. Well, she, um, she basically had stated that there's a type of acting that she's not capable of doing, but she knows that she can really chop her teeth into this more hardcore extreme style of emotions, like the like what she had to go through to play Cheryl, and she just knew that she would be able to do it. And so she was willing to try some other things. And one of the things she knew she had to do was that hog 
suicide scene, so she actually tried to do it to herself with the like scarves in her bedroom. She said, and at one point in time, her husband walked in and saw that she was doing this, where she was like trying to hogtie herself, and she said it was one of those things where he just backed out and closed the door and just <laughs> let her be. Okay, <laughs> I'll uh, I'm gonna go watch the Mandalorian. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first time you actually get to see what what he, what he's about. Like, yes, his his, his game. We're, we're, now, yeah. now you're finally gonna see kind of what's good. Really, more what makes him. You see, what really gets him off with Cheryl. Well, he's practicing on Cheryl to play games with other people later on. Like, but Cheryl lot. is supposed to be something else to him, you know. Eventually, yeah. Well, he does. It, it it becomes a completely different level. But there was another. There was another guy that wasn't a serial killer, but would actually. Well, he did. He was technically a serial killer because he did end up killing them. But he would actually kidnap people and keep them in his basement and just basically rape them and turn them into sex slaves and horrific things like that. Yeah. And that's where this portion of his personality comes from. Is that part of the profile where he's keeping her as like a sex object? Yeah. Um, we cut to more interviews about the situation in our next clip. This is the gruesome condition of Tim's body. Uh, we had very little hope of finding Cheryl alive. Uh, his head had been crushed in, kind of like this, and he had been cut from his anus up to his throat, and his intestines had been pulled out and, and strewn around like, like they were Christmas tree lights. And uh, his genitals had been removed and they were placed in a sock drawer in the, uh, in the master bedroom. Our basic thinking was that the killer had lost all control of his faculties. And again, judging from the condition of the body, uh, that he had probably killed her here and then probably dumped her body in the woods. We took one look at the scene and wrote it off as the work of a disorganized killer. The truth we later learned from the Poughkeepsie tapes was that this killer had carefully crafted the murder site to mislead us. And it worked. Funny thing is, to be able to murder and mutilate a body in such a way and to maintain composure while doing so, coupled with his bizarre sense of theatricality, you know, the masks and costumes and whatnot, shows that this man is extremely mentally ill. Commedia dell'arte is a form of theater that dates back to 16th century Italy. Uh, they actually had to pass a law prohibiting carrying weapons while wearing a mask because people stopped being responsible for their actions the moment they put one on. I think the costumes serve two functions. First, they let him draw out the act of killing, and second, they help him to alleviate any sense of guilt or regret he may have for the horrible things he's doing. Uh, this character went out of fashion hundreds of years ago. It's uh, the character Dottore Pest, the doctor of the plague. The uh, killer taunts Cheryl some more. Uh, she's kind of tied again. Her hands, her arms, like completely. Wait, almost looks like she, you'd hope someone's double jointed with how far back her hands are. Yeah, her arms are being tied, she's but she's standing now. Like, it's a, yeah. it's another form of torture where they put yeah. the arms behind the back and then hyperextend them and hang you from them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. In they such they a leave way. it to her to keep herself up, and then she's gonna get weak over time, and then she starts to, to droop, to, and then yeah. it hurts and back up again. And, yeah, it's it's a yeah. slow type of torture. I've seen yeah. that kind of thing done before. Uh, the killer taunts uh, Cheryl that uh, she says, she, he goes, why are you crying? And she goes, she wants her mom. And he goes, oh, did I tell you I killed your mom? And then he says, I killed your whole family. And she was like, no. And he goes, what, you don't think I could? I mean, come on, who else do you think? And then he tells her that all she has left now is him and that he wants her now to tell her that she's happy that he killed her family. And she says no, so he unties her or just lets her off of that, drags her over to a sink that's full of water and starts 
just holding her head under the water. It's a laundry slop sink, too, yeah, which yeah. is, like, really gross. Yep. Yeah, and it's it gets, filled with water saying, just so he can fucking water yep. torture her or water border in it. It keeps, yeah, pretty, I mean, not water bordering, but still, like, just almost drowning her constantly. Well, he's the, dunking her head underwater water, to yeah. make her feel like she's constantly drowning, although yeah. at that angle, the water would run back out of her lungs yeah. if it filled up, but, you know? Like, he's doing that on purpose to give that, like, controlling her be- ability to breathe and make break her down and make her feel weak. And it does do that as she does say that she's happy that he killed her family and then she starts Just because she more. doesn't want to drown anymore. No, yeah, I mean, I'm saying, but she it's it's breaking her down. And there's a sequence where she's talking to him and she puts her leg up on the sink in such a way as to try and keep him from being able to push her back in there. Yep. And like, you can tell like he's really still pushing on her and her leg is like yeah. pushing out over the edge of the sink and you can see it digging into her leg. Yeah. Like these two actors really went for it in this yeah. sequence. Yeah. Um, you can you can see how and you like, can see how tiny is she's a 19 year old girl and he she is almost as tall if not taller than him so he's a smaller man so that also probably helps him being unassuming to other people well yeah that's again it's a yeah. typical serial yeah, you covering. can see the stages of where she starts like at first she just kind of refuses like this isn't really happening and then it turns into i'm gonna be defiant and then she just she just starts as giving in as he's drowning her and stuff yeah. and just throughout the whole movie yeah it, and, and then he forces her also to repeat a mantra you'll hear a lot throughout the film during some things of her saying you are the master I am the slave you are the master I am slave and she's forced to repeat that constantly he even videotapes her doing it so that he can double check and see that she said it for X amount of time or whatever that he set up oh, yeah. there's video of her doing that and I wonder how many of those tapes are just her staring into the camera and having to yeah, I kind of wondered yeah. like average videotape if he had good quality ones or what he would record it on and, yeah. and at times how many he had like how many actual hours of footage there actually is I don't think they ever talk about how no they just show you shitloads of tapes and then you automatically assume from your years of recording stuff in extra long play that it's six hours each but it could be that he went to the like super high quality Uh version of it or whatever but no you you just don't know that it's it's something that they just leave up to your imagination which is horrifying my imagination is not something i like to use it's horrifying up there i can definitely see the psychotic allure that he has here of how far can i push this person how much can i break them down and turn them into something that i can control like i can totally see where psychotically he would want to do that just to see what he could do and get away with and how much further he can push this person. We uh, get a news report that many people are trying, uh, coming from all around the area to try to help out. We see the killer actually walk up to Cheryl's mother with people all around her saying he wants to do anything he can to help but then he just stands there and stares at her with the camera. The mother starts to realize I would think that the minute the guy came up with me with a video camera I would think something was up. And I would just yell, cops! (laughs) And just, you know, because there's got to be a few around that you already saw a couple walk out just yell there he is and then have people come running after him so but she, you can imagine him probably smirking and I think yeah. you can hear him like giggling she, well, yeah. then, and when she starts it's so fi- fucked up she starts figuring <laughs> out she goes wait that's when he starts laughing and walks away uh well he more he more runs away while laughing um the, and I love how she like later on when she's being interviewed she actually <laughs> talks about how she recognized him but she was frozen with fear and she didn't yeah, know what to she do she was scared she didn't and know she hates herself for yeah. doing that yeah another layer of torture this guy likes to put on yeah like he is the ultimate fucking sadist in this movie it's insane how fucking sadistic this guy is yeah you don't know how long like you know between when she was kidnapped till this point it's fairly recent i would assume but it's still you know enough time where i think most people would be like okay i I still want to believe that my daughter is alive but i'm I'm still kind of going through the motions and then to be just presented just like that in your face like that yeah i could see how you'd freeze yeah i i don't blame her at all and i know that she's blaming herself but she 
really shouldn't because no one knows how they're going to react in a situation like that. Exactly. That you can't. Yeah, and unless, I don't think there's any other history recorded of any serial killer ever visiting their victim's parents. Yeah, saying, so, oh, like, I want to help, and then obviously standing there mocking them. Um, Uh-oh. No, you got something? That's, if anybody's yeah. going to know, it's going to be court. Uh, Albert Fish actually wrote letters to oh, his yeah. victim's parents. Oh. And at one point, he showed up as like someone who was trying to help out after their daughter was missing, even though that he okay. was the one. Because I, I can't remember exactly everything that has to do with it, but Albert Fish was one of those folks that, that did something like that. And that's just off the top of my head. But yeah, the, one of the things that serial killers love to do is to torment the family as well of their victims because it gives them a way to relive that torment by opening their wounds fresh again as well. So, I mean, there's plenty that write letters or call or leave little mementos or something. Yeah. Like if the family goes away for the weekend, we'll leave something at their house to fuck with them. Remember we did that when we did that Dahmer movie that recorded him, he actually uh, called one of the mothers oh, right. and stated that his her son was dead and yeah. then started laughing. I, I don't know if that actually happened or that's something they just put in that movie. I don't think that's something necessarily that Jeffrey Dahmer himself did, but that is something that serial killers do. Yeah. So they probably just threw that in the movie. Whenever cases get cold, uh, uh, you know, but like the note being written just to try and challenge the law enforcement. Yeah. To it's what NAB BTK. Yeah. Uh, we get more video. Cheryl's hanging there. She has a gag in her mouth and the killer asks if she's done crying and she nods. He goes, he said he'll take the gag off if she promises to put this on. She agrees. And what it is, is kind of like a maid's BDSM outfit, kind of, for lack of a better term. It's actually uh, like a German um, bodice type uh, yeah, outfit. But, uh, but uh, it seems like one, like almost like a French maid outfit with a leather corset, kind of. It's more of a like a, a German maid. It's probably period like, accurate. Yeah, it's for yeah. him. For, for what he's wearing, but like it's her doppelganger thing. And so it's a leather I gotcha. corset-y type top dress for it. And then the mask that he makes her wear is very much just like a BDSM to remove her humanity and turn yeah. her into an you, object. You can see her eyes, but like... He turns her into a human fuck doll. Is basically yeah, it's what pretty he much does. it because it looks like a doll face. Yeah, just yeah. with her eyes. So And it even replaces her hair. It's like a yeah. wig that's on the thing too. Yeah, it's so a she wig's on it. Yeah. So yeah, there's all that. Um, and then as she sits there and cries out the mask, she once again has to repeat the her catchphrase there. This is the part that I was talking about where she's on the video and you see that for an inordinately yeah. long amount of time. Yeah, like the film staring right there. into the camera and you're just yeah. like, okay, that's enough. We could You could have cut away now, but that's the whole point why yeah. they don't cut away. And the actress really fucking goes for it. She's really, I would say that it's more her movie than anybody else's. I would say too, yeah. Because I think the thing that makes this film the most effective is all the horrible things that she goes through in the film. And how she accurately portrays how horrified she is at some points and then... Yes, particularly in that yeah. scene where she's got the mask uh, on and she's just horrified. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we cut to some more interviews in our next clip. Some room 93. The area was really starting to feel the effects of this man's work. Most killers getting this much media attention will do one of three things. One, they will realize it's not safe for a serial killer to work that town anymore and leave. Two, they will give it a rest for a little while and let it cool off. Or three, they'll just keep doing it, maybe even speed up the rate of their killings until they get caught. But this killer did something quite unique. He kept killing 
but changed his M.O. And that takes us to part five, a new M.O. Now prostitutes have become his target. Uh, oftentimes, we'll see him drive up to him, pretending to be a cop, asking about John's getting robbed or anything, and then he grabs them and takes them away. Um, and this kind of these this footage gets mixed in with footage of Cheryl just repeating her phrase constantly. And some other things yeah. of Cheryl being beaten or interacting yeah. with some of the hookers that have been well, taken Well, we're getting to that yeah. right now, yeah. Uh, we see one woman's trying to get away while Cheryl's tied to a post telling her not to, that this will make him mad, don't do this, telling her to stop. And the guy gets down and he starts beating on the woman and uh, ties her to a post right in front of Cheryl and then starts yelling at Cheryl saying that, you know, this was your fault. Why are you trying to help her escape? She's like, I wasn't. He goes, you have to be punished. So he unties Cheryl and gives her a knife and forces Cheryl to kill the prostitute by slitting her throat. Well, and it's important to note too, he is currently wearing the outfit that he wears when he's dismembering bodies, which is like a paint suit and a yeah. gas mask and all that stuff mm-hmm. to keep himself from getting covered in the blood. So I think she was like knocked out and he went to deal with a body of yeah. some sort at that point and she came or to, to prepare the area for that one that, yeah, for that for one's her body. To be dis- dismembered or whatever yeah. but he's wearing the outfit to be able to do that and that's when he comes in and when he's kicking her he is kicking the fuck out of that woman. Yeah. And you actually can kind of see there's a the, they did something where one of the two of the kicks the actress actually like hops in the air or leaps up as she's being kicked and it makes it look like he kicks her so hard he raises her up off the ground. Yeah. It was really fucking violent and shocking. Dude, the violent scenes in this are fucking horrific. Oh yeah, it has, and again, it has a cumulative effect on you. Everything starts building to the point where you just start not feeling well. Yeah, it wears you down over time, and the more that you're seeing this stuff, the more these various pieces get ingrained in your body, in in your mind, and it starts to wear you down. And at some point, it doesn't matter whether or not it's real to you anymore, you just want it to end because it's beating the shit out of you emotionally the whole time. Can we, like, do a season of Fraggle Rock after this, or... Um, you can do a movie about kids in Japan going to school. You get oh, two of oh, them yeah. back to Is back that, yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. No, no, it's not going to get any better. And we start getting descriptions of what has been done to these ladies in our next clip. Years ago, I was granted the dubious honor of interviewing Theodore Robert Bundy in connection with another case. But the insight that I gained there is relevant here. I remember the first question he asked me was, did he rape her? Uh, uh, yes, he did. Before or after? Before or after what? You know, killing her. After. Oh, you see, Mike, I think that's an important distinction. This might all sound a little weird, but, uh, Kill and rape variety. These guys will continue to have sex with the body way past the point you ever thought possible. Mild decomposition, even maggots and things may just serve to turn them on. Next time you find a fresh dump site, keep quiet about it. Stake it out. Your guy will come back to it. Unfortunately, we have never found a fresh enough body. But there was evidence that he had, in fact, been returning to them for sexual reasons. 
We then cut to a knock at the killer's door, and two Girl Scouts are there to sell cookies. Now, here's this is an, Brandon's favorite part. Here's the next part that took me out of it a little bit. This is by now the late 90s, and no parent, number one, would let their two girls go selling Girl Scout cookies without at least one adult with them. You are making a generalization. You yeah. overestimate no, no. just how careless parents can be with yeah. their kids. Hold, hold off one sec. And even more so now, in the late 90s, more parents, instead of having to go out with their kids or even sending their kids out, would rather do it the cheap way and they would take the sign-up sheets for the cookies to work with them to sell to the co-workers and this was the time when you would start setting up in front of stores and Walmarts and selling them that way. That's assuming that what we're seeing now actually was in the 90s. When, whenever he took Cheryl, it could have been shortly after that and he turned her into a slave. Yeah, I don't know. It just took it out of there for me. But what happens after all this, it, it, it still does, it took me out of it, but then the tension building up brought me right back in. So it wasn't much just a little thing there but he let they come in one is very cautious and the smart one who's like i i we shouldn't go into your house and the other one is, is a sale is, a, is all about sale yeah, the other one's, all, the other, <laughs> the, the other one's parents better talk to her because <laughs> she's gonna be like the van says free candy she's gonna be like fuck it don't be a pussy. i want that candy i'm gonna resell it <laughs> don't be a pussy this guy looks legit let's get in there and so they get they go into the house and while he's talking to them they start hearing noises coming from the basement. He states they must have left the TV on. And then it gets really loud. Like you hear things being knocked down. And someone's screaming for help. You can very yeah. easily tell someone is screaming for help and, and is knocking shit around. And he goes, hmm, I don't think I'm going to get any cookies today. He goes, a raccoon got loose in my basement. Then one of the girls goes, there's no raccoons here. Really? I, I was pretty sure raccoons could be found in almost all the lower 48. Sure. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what that's all about. But he says, well, it's a pretty rowdy raccoon. Do you want to go see it? Well, the girl says, yeah, I don't even believe you, so I want to see it. The other girl, the, the, the more cautious one, the smart one says, I'm I, I'm not going down there. I want to leave. And so he says, you know what? I think I'm just have to get cookies some other day and tells them to let themselves out. That's well, also when you hear the there, there is a sound that happens in the room, like a very faint. Yeah, a very faint, yeah. like, like uh, gasp yeah. kind of a noise when he suggests that they go down to look for the raccoon. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, yes, exactly. And they leave, thankfully. You you breathe a sigh of relief and when before you get, you get that to door the, closed. Before you get to the part, this is the this is something that the different versions made it, uh, you could hear the audio of the yeah. basement a lot clearer. Yeah, the, the HD version. Yeah, the yeah. HD version, you can on really the hear version, a lot better. I, I didn't know what they were hearing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, maybe they heard something. Is it yeah. left to my yeah, the, imagination? It, it, yeah, it leaves it to your more your imagination where they think they hear something, but you don't really know. But in the HD mix for the audio, for the Blu-ray, you can clearly hear someone screaming for help and knocking yeah. some shit around. And even in the... And the HD version is the one where I heard the gasp yeah, yeah. Which you they hear it much about. better in yeah. the hd version than you can yeah <laughs> it, it really drew, drew me right back in. like like i said my whole thing like yeah girl <laughs> scouts don't go door to door it, it, it kind of was like oh this is gonna take me out of it nope it uh, snapped me that tension snapped me right back into it and anyway they leave and he removes what looked like a table cover for an end table is actually cheryl on all fours staring into a mirror at herself yeah and she's got a she's got something on her back to where she has to maintain shape as a yeah, table as a table as, as the a legs table. of a table she, she's yeah, supposed yeah. to be the legs of a table on all fours yeah and then the tablecloth is over top of it yeah but she has to stare at herself while she's doing this yeah exactly and there's tears coming out of her mask yeah she's the one that gasped when the little girls were going to go downstairs and he said uh, you didn't tie her up pro or you didn't tie it never said her you didn't tie it so referring to it as whoever's down there as an it yeah because you didn't tie it up and uh good enough and she goes no no and she begs saying i would never you know he goes you wanted it to get away 
away because you felt sorry for it. And she's like, no, 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 I would never betray you. I would never betray you. And so he leaves to take care of uh, whatever it needs to be taken care of in the basement. So. But he doesn't really get on her case for letting the Girl Scouts go either. No, no. I think he was just getting off on whether or not he could get away with everything that was happening with the Girl Scouts there and they could tell what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Because like, he, he didn't sound all that mad when they left. He almost sound more amused. Yeah, he's having a good old time. Yeah. This is sadism at the purest level because he's making Cheryl think he's going to kill two little girls and she has to just sit there and be quiet and hold still while he has his feet up on her as a table. Yeah. And if, if you we watch that scene knowing that she's there, Ugh. he's pushing on the table in a way to try and make her give herself up. Yeah. So that he has to kill the girls and she has to help him. Yeah. Like, so he can continue to get away with it. Like, she's trying to be steady while he's fucking with her. It's all about torturing Cheryl in that scene, which makes it that and, much more sadistic. And by the way, also, let's go back to this. Those girls give up their exact, not their, like, exact addresses, but where they live. Pretty much, yeah. 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 I mean, this this town, at least if it's supposed to be accurate, is like 30,000 people. Um, it's not a big town. I mean, it's bigger than but you m- think- most, but yeah. well, when I was a kid in the 90s, we would go around and do fundraisers and we would walk all over the place and it was no big deal. Now, of course, I was in a town of like 700 people, but, you know, I, I, I think I think parents were still a little bit more naive than, than I think you, you might think they were. Yeah, especially maybe, in the earlier 90s. Yeah. And maybe that deals with the town because I lived in a really nice neighborhood, like growing up. One in which, especially in the early to mid 90s, late 90s, a really nice neighborhood in which if you were going to sell something door to door, our neighborhood's the one you would hit. Yeah. And we never had people stop by, like any kids trying to sell anything, nothing. But then again, not that I'm saying Omaha's some big metropolitan, but it's not, it wasn't small town feel either. You know and what and I mean? It may just be the neighborhood that he was in that was like that anyway. Yeah. Maybe it was oh, just the also, what, going what, above what, and aboard. What really bothers me is at this point, they know people have gone missing and they know they've had a string of murders in this town and you're still letting your kids go. These parents they should have been locked they up. They deal with that later though. They deal with that later though in the movie. So that argument is actually null and void later in the movie. When we get there, I'll point it out. Okay. Uh, after all this, we get a body count and a breakthrough in our next clip. Suddenly we had 10 bodies, six of whom had matching samples of semen on them. Then we had a breakthrough. At one of the victim's apartments, we found an unwashed glass of water. It had a fingerprint and DNA from the saliva. We ran the prints we found in the glass of water. They came back with a match. They matched my partner, Jim Foley. They placed him under arrest and started building a case. He had been in town for all those killings. And there were three killings in Pennsylvania that matched the same M.O. And he had been in Pennsylvania on family vacation. He had no substantiated alibi for any of the murders. We searched his car and his house and found jewelry and blood stains that matched the victims. At that point, we knew we had our man. Like, did the killer, like, also been following fully for this whole time, knowing where he vacationed, all that, dumpy bodies, or taking people? I'm going to say yes, because this whole thing with the Water Street Butcher and then what he's doing to push it towards this cop, he's doing that specifically to put the town at ease and to make people relax. Yeah. Because he's only killing, the serial killer's only killing prostitutes, so I'll be fine. So he's doing this high-profile level serial killer killing of prostitutes, dumping the bodies and leaving them to where people know what's going on and leaving semen samples 
samples and all this other spree killing, crazy, unor- disorganized killer type killings out there in the open for everybody so that he can have cover for what he really wants to do at his house and in his neighborhood. Yeah. So the parents aren't worried about their little daughters because they're not prostitutes. So you think right? that happened? This is all the same time that he's yeah, doing oh, this but yeah, shit. you're right. It was the prostitutes being killed at the time and they even said that. Yeah, and I totally did forgot it at a, that point it was prostitutes being yeah. killed. There was also the scene where he is, he has a cop car. Yeah. And he, he well, yeah, that comes at the yeah, very that's, end. That's yeah. on another one. So, but, yeah. He obviously has been working on and this also, angle for a while. he gets lucky on that one and I'll get into that yeah. kind of luck, how he gets, no man this smart should also have this kind of luck that he gets, but we'll go, and, and also the luck he gets is also horrifying luck. So we'll get into this, that. It's that, horrific. Everything about this guy, even the luck or breaks he gets are horrific for other people. Not even just for his victims, just other people. Yes. Yeah. The the clip about the fingerprint, though, that is one thing that does, like, it bugs me, though, that they hinge their investigation. Like, let's start based on that, and fingerprints are not... I, I would not expect... They said FB- fingerprint and DNA, but how did they not get DNA from the sperm that was found on the bodies, too, at the time? Yeah. Right. You should have been able to get that from the, yeah. the guy very easily. Yeah, whatever. Well, all right. Foley's son is devastated. Uh, the prosecutor states Foley did like getting prostitutes, and he always rode by himself in I mean, an unmarked police car. Yeah, that was part of his job. He refuses to plea bargain and is found guilty and sentenced to death. Um, we get more footage of Foley. Uh, while we see Foley constantly, we hear overdubbed Cheryl repeating her slave master man- uh, mantra. Um, Foley is then executed, and we jump to part six. Missed one. Foley's partner gets a letter in the mail with a map quest map saying that, uh, they, he, that he missed one. And then he gets a call from uh, the police station stating that they had found another body. At this point, we cut to the killer with Cheryl sitting across from him in a public bar watching... The, Without her makeup or anything on, like just dressed just like a normal dressed person. Dressed like a normal person. But very clearly terrified to do or say anything yes. at all just sitting there. It's like she, the, 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 And he's watching. He has the camera pointed at the uh, news report. Yeah. News report of Foley's death. And to show the power he has, he gets up to go to the bathroom leaving Cheryl alone. And she won't leave. I mean, there you go. She's, yeah, she's that terrified. He she's has her, that terrified. She, she has her completely brainwashed. Yeah. Like, just, she's not even Cheryl anymore. Uh, we uh, cut to uh, a, a med tech, and that is our next clip. I go work. A priest coming in and handing me DNA sample and demanding I do immediate. I was uh, very stressful. It turned out same as Water Street Butcher, uh, James Foley. We're still not sure. Apparently he had gone to a fertility clinic some years before. We think maybe that's how, but we're still not sure. Three days after my dad's execution, they realized that he had been innocent. They were gonna put out a thing in the paper the next day and then 9-11 happened. So the article on dad gets bumped down to page six. Former cop cleared of charges after execution. People still, jokingly, when I say my name, they'll ask, any relation to the Water Street Butcher? And I tell them Jim Foley wasn't the Water Street Butcher. And nobody heard that they found him innocent. Because of 9-11. Any other week in American history, and this would have been a serious national sensation. Serial killer kills cop using justice system. (laughs) Come on. But then September 11th happened, and no one gave a shit about anything else. 
you know, after 10 or more years of planning and executing what I consider to be the crime of the century, nobody even heard about it. See, when people read there's a serial killer in town, their guards go up, which was happening. But then when they read the serial killer only preys on prostitutes, if you're not a prostitute, your defenses are going to go back down. So he created this Water Street butcher persona to assuage people's fears about this unknown killer so that he could continue to prey on everyone else. Yep, that's exactly what I was talking about. And, and he did that, that and, intentionally for that reason. And the luck part was they had to let... They, no, he wanted people to know that he did that. He That yeah. was bragging rights, so that's not luck. That ruined what he had. Well, it, okay, then it ruined, but also it was lucky because then people still think the, the butcher's dead, and then everyone goes back right. and it, fine. It, it lets him continue to work, but at yeah. the same time... It's, he's not getting yeah. the credit for yeah, it. He wanted to... I mean, he wanted the bragging rights rights of being able to say that he was able to kill someone using the justice system and that also he was able to continue doing what he was doing while doing this other plan. Yeah. Like, it's the the multi-threaded bragging rights, which is why he released all the tapes about all this stuff to, or yeah. just let it be found just yeah. so he had more bragging rights of everything he got away with for all that time. But being the intelligent man he is in the way he, you know, can almost look on the bright side of life at some point, he was probably like, well, that sucks. But at least everyone still thinks the serial killer's dead, so no one's looking and everyone's gonna be roaming around free for me now, so. This is where the, the timeline gets fuzzy because yeah. it's like usually people don't get executed that quickly. Uh, he, yeah. a, a cop would definitely not get executed no, no matter what he did. He that, would, with the, that with the um, amount of defense he would have. Yeah. yeah. The union would defend and, and, him. And I, I'm just wondering, did he get convicted you know, five or six years before that before 9-11 and this is the wait time? I think he was or, caught in 1997 yeah. and then he's executed in 2001. Which is really that's, speedy. But especially yeah, for New York speedy because considering they haven't had executions since like 95. People so. It, I mean, even in Texas, people spend like 15 years on yeah. death row. I think we're dealing with the minutiae of legalities and things that the movie is not concerned with. The idea is just that he was able to do this and got away with it. And they were looking for an excuse that something that big of a news would be covered up. So they just pinned it to September 11th. Yeah. So we uh, cut to the killer picks up a woman whose car broke down. His car is disguised as a cop car and she gets in the back. That's, of course, fenced off. He are driving and I. Uh, she points out a gas station he can drop her off at, and he She's passes it. talking and calling him officer the entire yep. time. Yep. yep. And then he passes the gas station, and he goes, why did you call me officer? And she goes, well, I thought police like to be called officer. He goes, oh, I'm sure they do. What makes you think I'm a cop? And he goes, why would you get into a car without confirming, you know, who you are? Uh, also, no cop ever puts you in the backseat, regardless of what they have, unless yeah. you're actually being arrested. Yeah. He tells her that he is the butcher, and as she pleads for her life, he says what he will do for her is he'll pull over, he will rape her, and if she's good and doesn't do anything, that he'll let her live. She agrees, and then he goes, yeah, right. You know, she sobbingly agrees. Sobbingly agrees. Just because agrees. she just wants to just live. Just gives her that little bit of hope, and then he takes it away by saying, I don't believe you. Um, He says, and then he drops a mega, just like a horrific sentence. He says, neither of us are going to want you alive for what I'm going to do to you. For the things that he wants to yeah, do, yeah. yeah. And that's just a horrific fucking thing to hear right before you're going to die. Well, and he says that specifically to 
to make her cry and to torture her because yeah. he gets off on it he, because he immediately runs out of the car and jerks off into a bush. Yeah. Okay. It's I didn't know what he was That's doing. That's what he was doing. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, what happens is she starts screaming, no, no, no. And he stops, pulls over the car. I could tell if he had to stop over. And I couldn't tell if he was jerking off. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought he was either jerking off because he was getting off on that or if he was showing just how much he doesn't care but her screaming and pleading by getting out just to take a leak. Like, oh, I got a leak. But no, the, he was jerking a little the, too yeah, much. The, the That's that, what I the thought. Way, the way that he does it is um, he turns around and you actually see, like, he puts the camera on her screaming. Yeah. But you can also see it in the expression where he looks back at her screaming uh-huh. and he's actually getting off and he's masturbating yeah. while watching her scream in torment and agony because he's a sexual sadist and that's part of the joy for him and this is just something that he enjoys is watching how much pain and suffering that he's causing without even actually doing any physical pain or damage yet and now Brandon here comes the scene you were talking about with the different mask uh, we cut to her being tied in the basement her mouth is kind of taped with like a clear packing tape yeah. actually uh, her nose too he's got yeah. it covered to where she can barely breathe he comes crawling out on old fours with a different mask on the top of his head but he's still wearing the regular he's plague wearing mask the regular yeah. plague mask but there's a different mask he's doing like this crab walk coming out it's really creepy he comes up to works her. much better in the low res version the low res oh, yeah. version of that i it's fucking nightmare fuel in that it's, version um, you don't even notice it happening until yeah. like he's, he's up ha- on you like oh, oh, oh there is something the coming. next morning i woke up and i was like that, that well, i i had several nightmares about that <laughs> it sticks with you it really does it it's does. a horrific image well and especially because i'm sitting there in my basement the only light is coming from my monitor watching this yep everything else is dark and you're just like and she's right up on the camera too. i yeah. eventually at some point got to turn around and like leave this room and i don't want to turn around right now i don't know what's behind me yeah. there's a lot of room behind me that's <laughs> one of the things that this film really does is it gives you it activates that fight or flight reflex in your body where you think that there's danger all around you yeah it has that subtle cumulative effect where you are constantly becoming aware of your surroundings yeah because of showing just how good he is at maneuvering around and the reason it works in the low res version exactly what brandon had said you couldn't really tell what was happening until he yeah. was about midway in the room and then you could kind of make out the mask yes and then you're like what the fuck how yeah, is you that were expecting a jump scare yeah. yeah like i was expecting okay all right get on He's with good. it all right no. where's it at okay it was it went much... too long and then there it is. yeah and then when you finally figure out what it actually is and it he comes up around to her neck that's like it's total nightmare fuel in the high-res version you can see everything the yeah, entire right time away. and it doesn't work as well for me like i said there's only one part of me where the high-res version beat out low-res yeah and well, that was uh, where I you could see kind of, the makeup yeah. i'll say one and a half this, one definitely was seeing the head the half is being able to hear the voices yeah. when, when the girl starts are in the house and it's i don't have a problem with the high-res stuff and all the interviews and everything it's just that for his vhs tapes it should be much harder to see what's going on yeah i think they should have fucked him up just a little bit more and made him look more like vhs everything should have been high-res except I would for the say, killer stuff yeah if this was the first time watching it seeing it in high-res you'd be um, fine yeah you'd be like you'd see it like okay what's he doing this guy's a fucking creep okay you, you know it, seeing it in low res we don't know what you, you focus your vision one way or the other in the high res you're just like okay this guy's a fucking freak what's he doing why is he crawling you know, around yeah. like that with a mask yeah. on the top of his head yeah but in the low res version it looks like he's walking backwards and his head's turned upside down and you're like what yeah. the fuck is that how the fuck did he do that and then when you realize what it is that he did it's like even weirder and yeah. then he's on to the kill he yes he comes up and he has these 
kind of like two little pokers on his fingers. Yeah, sir, like syringes built syringes onto his, built uh, his fingers. Uh-huh. He punctures her right into her neck, causing her to choke on her own blood to die. Yeah, he's taped her mouth up in such a way so that it can't come up out of her mouth very easily. When, he goes through the jugular and into he goes her through the jugular, Yeah, I believe he's orgasming. Oh, the he sounds he's yeah. making, yeah. he's having an orgasm while he's doing And you doing can still that. see the blood come up. To the, it hits the tape and, yeah. and it's, it's, it that can't come so, out and it's like all over her face. The fact that oh. they did clear tape was fucking, oh. Yeah, he did that in such a way as so that the hollow channel, because you see him go, he digs, he pokes through, and then you see him actually basically back out just a little bit and then go back in again, just so he can position it just right to basically have the vein drain out into the, from the jugular into his, her windpipe. And that's when, when he does the back out and come, like, sticks back in just right and repositions it, that's when the blood spurts out of her mouth. And it doesn't come out of her nose, that's when you realize her nose is taped shut as well. So yep. he timed this perfectly, waiting for her to come to, before she would choke out and suffocate the other way, so that she'd have to choke on her own blood, which and is horrible. Nobody likes needles, really. I no. mean, so seeing them used, like, oh, God. Yeah, and he did it in such a way where he, you can also tell, like, he used, like, the, um, like, cross-strapping that they use for yeah. pipes, where you tighten it down, yeah. like, with uh, screws and everything. Like, he very specifically made this at this specific moment just to do this thing, and it's all disposable yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't think they were, I guess they weren't really, like, syringe needles. They were the ones, I think, you used to to drain like abscesses because they were really big. No, they were big hollow needles. Yeah. But yeah, that was the point is they were hollow needles so that he could actually force the blood and channel it into yeah. her windpipe so she chokes out on her own blood. Yes. Good kill. <laughs> Horrific, yes. <laughs> yes. After all this, we come to our next clip. This killer knows how to play the profile in exactly the way he wants. Just like a really good actor can make you think they're really crying or laughing. To give you an example of what I mean, let me read a couple of these profiles. Suspect is a white male aged 18 to 25. White male aged 25 to 35. Black male aged 25 to 30. Disorganized, highly organized, serial killer. Most likely his first time killing. First killing, definitely not his first killing. Lives alone, probably in a very messy house. His home will be clean and kempt. Sadist, sadistic, sadist. Has most likely been institutionalized for a good portion of his life. Highly functional, may have limited faculties. Highly intelligent, probably highly educated. Most likely never finished high school. Most likely works in law enforcement, Possibly a police officer or a security guard. Probably lives off some sort of disability. Most likely cannot hold a job. Knows profiling and may be employed as an FBI profiler. The frustration in that guy's voice as he's reading off the profiles and the way they cross-cut it and cross-dissolve it, that was one of the more effective moments that they did. And you just feel tired, like, for him. Well, at this point, the movie has worn you down enough to where you are physically exhausted after watching it. And I'm not even saying that. Just You could just watch him do that scene and you'd feel tired. You get that sense of... You're you're applying too much empathy to me. I don't think I'm capable of that without the rest of the movie to build up to that. Yeah, you would sense... I sense that because to be a profiler and then... Or to be a... FBI investigator and you get all those reactions from profilers and you're just like well this is fucking hopeless it's hope we'll never catch him and it also brings you full circle like you feel like the uh, like the victims like there is no, There's no you're hope. not getting away and this is yeah your only well, hope is that this guy's gonna fuck up in some way shape or form his luck will run out and they'll finally catch somehow him. he like, hurts himself to the point where he can't get away and we'll catch him something yeah, yeah. like this, that's kind of the only hope at you, this point because he's way too good at what he does all you gotta hope is for him to have bad luck one night because that's all you can rely on yeah yeah, or he picks the wrong woman who 
knows like jazz kwando or some yeah, shit and, and like, <laughs> like takes him down yeah, cra- <laughs> yeah she's like fucking knows how to do the crane i don't and think shit. that would ever happen because he stalks him enough that he would know where yeah, they he go. Would know. yeah you're right yeah. he would do his homework to the point where he's like oh yep yeah, no i can't not gonna fuck with these people it's just horrific yeah oh god so we cut now to part seven bound uh the detective uh, who got the map for the missed one he gets an idea to make a request to MapQuest to find out who downloaded this particular area of this map. And they find that only one... Brandon's <laughs> laughing because it's horseshit. Yeah, it doesn't no, work no. that way. I, mean, I, no, I, I, I was like, MapQuest, Jessica and I were both like, oh, I remember those days. Oh, yeah, I remember MapQuest. Before Google and before It was Apple a Maps. thing? Yeah, before it. it <laughs> before. Absolutely. You would print out thing. your directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah that but was But nowadays, now, MapQuest... That's not a thing. Not a thing. Not no, anymore. No, you're right. But in the day that this movie was made? It's a thing. It was a thing. But today? That's not a thing. Not a thing. And they find out only one person had downloaded this particular area. Which is also kind of horseshit because even in this day, they were recycling IPs all over the place oh, God, from yeah. internet service providers. But still, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, need so SWAT was ready to <laughs> drop the hammer down the house and they break in. However, the house is empty. Uh, they uh, We cut to another one of the investigators who states that they didn't really find the house. But he goes, when people ask how we found him, I always tell them, we didn't find him. We found his house. And we didn't even do that. He showed us where his house was. He wanted us to find it. Yeah, I think he got to that point where after he did the, I think the way that the timeline works, trying to piece it together in my head. Yeah. He sent the thing where he said, you missed one that just proves that he was a Water Street butcher the entire time. And when he sent that, I think he fully intended for them to come find the house. And he packaged everything up that got left behind in the house that we're about to talk about right then and there and then just took off. And really? And left everything else behind for them to find just to, basically because he's like, look, you guys fucked up when, like, I think after September 11th, 2001, whenever this story didn't come out the way that he wanted, I think he still took off, but I think he left some of that stuff or brought some of it back and left it there I think specifically so that they would come and find it I think he decided to hit one last person, and that was that lady in the video in the backseat of the car, and then go. I think think he was planning on leaving anyway. I think that's that whole thing. He may have been actually on his way out of town when that happened. I think the cop getting executed was going to be his swan song for Poughkeepsie. Yeah. I think that was actually going to be it. Yeah. And if 9-11 didn't happen, they'd have found that last body and he, he would have been gone. He may have actually stayed and kept going, but, but I think it ruined his yeah. He spent like 10 years trying to make this thing work or whatever, Yeah, and then it was ruined. He's like, okay, fuck this town. But uh, So really, the house is empty except for they find the box of tapes. Um, and then... They also find some horrific things they're talking about in the basement. Yes. But yes. before they can go to send somebody to process it, this happens. They find a long box, and they open it up, and we see it is Cheryl, still in her costume, still in her mask, lying perfectly still, but she's alive. And it smells alive. horrible in there, like she's been locked in there for quite a while, but yes. afraid to move. Well, uh, a doctor speaks to Cheryl's condition, and that's our next clip. I've never seen a human being born and raised in the United States show evidence of this kind of torture. She had been burned, cut, she had five teeth removed by pliers or a hammer. She had multiple broken bones. Not only that none of them have been allowed to heal, some have been further aggravated by some sort of a tightening apparatus. She had also been extremely malnourished and her organs were in a really bad shape as a result. There also was a severe sexual torture, including things like electrocution of genitals and things that are too horrible to say out loud. 
While she was in the hospital, a lot of her injuries seemed to get worse instead of better, and we couldn't figure it out. Uh, then I realized that pain, not just pain, but brutal pain, had been such a huge part of her life for so long, she didn't know how to exist without it. She no longer knew how to exist in the world if not through horrific pain. She was torturing herself when nobody was looking. It was very strange seeing Cheryl after all that time. In the time that she was missing, I went from being a carefree college girl to having two girls of my own. It was hard to see the girl that I loved and the girl that came back. This is a little bit overextending here, that she doesn't know how to live in a world except for an excruciating pain. Yeah. So she's torturing herself. Yeah. Like, I get the idea that maybe that would be something that he would force her to do for him to watch, and it's just something that she's just doing now. But, but she may like, be concerned that he's always watching. E even if you took that as that's what is happening, she wouldn't be, like, she would probably for the next two, three years be in intensive therapy. Yeah. Impatient. Yeah. yeah. She could get over this and, and get help, but, I mean, we'll find out later that obviously she got nothing yeah at least that's what well, I think. we're in america so if you have any sort of problems with the uh, you know mental stuff that that, that doesn't count well, she lives in nice you know well i guess at this point still doesn't the, count there's nothing nice in america well they they hinted some shit too that maybe the yeah. mother was so controlling after she came back that there was some headbutting going on between the daughter and the mother because there's some frustration there and she doesn't even recognize her parents as her actual parents anymore and considering that her parents lost her on their watch so to speak that her mom Mom's probably so controlling of making sure that she doesn't go to an asylum where something could happen or she could be taken. She needs to be at this house at all times. And her mom's probably like up her ass constantly while this is happening. So the problem that I have is that the doctor does this overdramatic thing where she's like, she didn't know how to exist in a world of extreme pain. And I've never known any doctor to be that overdramatic about it unless they're talking about like it's a psychologist that's talking about emotional stuff. Her thing was we found out that she was torturing herself. It should have just stopped there. Yeah. And then they could have gone to another yeah. doctor that should have analyzed her. An actual doctor who deals with the physical trauma, they're like almost practically Asperger's. They don't have that other side of it because they yeah. have to shut that off to deal with the problem at hand and make you physically better. Most doctors don't have that kind of bedside manner where they're going to get so upset. It's clearly just an actress delivering a line that's in the script and doing it in such a way to be like, this is my reel now from this film. And I don't think it helps that the whole film, you're so tired from it that now almost everything else is coming out seems like bullshit. Yeah, it's over fatigue at this point. You're like, okay, we get it. She's been through so much horrific fucking shit. We've already seen it. We know what she's gone through. You didn't need to layer that much more on. It's just Technically, like, at this point, we didn't because we haven't gotten to the interviews with her. So, that's like, coming up. So, okay, yeah. You know, well, how about this? That, let's just move on then. That's yeah, fine. We, we, but let's get there because... I just didn't like that doctor's I thought that was a little bit over yeah. the top. Yeah. yeah. Doctors wouldn't embellish like hey, that. You know what? Yeah, they and keep it pretty straight to the point. Yeah, most thought, of them. I thought I, the lady in the suit was a psychologist. My problem was the first doctors talking about her description is like uh and the the sexual abuse that i won't mention you know out loud i thought that was more weird that's another thing i had that an was issue a little with too that's where i that was i'm with you that is literally a writer going well this worked for hp lovecraft it's so horrible i can't even describe it yeah. and then i'll let your mind play after that's, you just showed us some I, heinous shit for like the last you right. know and they talk in 20 minutes and that's <laughs> where i agree with you i thought the other lady i thought that was a psychologist so i thought that made at least some sense yeah. that she felt like that well no the one guy 
guy was like a pathologist that was dealing with the sexual trauma and everything like that, and then she was like a an intensive care like doctor or whatever that was dealing oh, with. Oh, and then that's how the injuries weird. kept yeah. getting worse. Yeah. All right, well now that bo- thanks you just ruined it for me now. <laughs> You're welcome. That's what we do here at Cinema Science. <laughs> we ruined everything for yeah, you. That's what we do. Yeah. Um. After we then cut to uh the word saying after months of lobbying they were finally able to get an interview with Cheryl and that is our next clip. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Talk about what it's like being home again. I don't know. What do you want me to say? You had to be nice seeing your mom. Can I comment on that? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know what you want me to say. What was the man you lived with all these years like? this anymore. Why? Because I don't know what you want me to say. You can say anything you want. He loved me. Nobody ever lets me say it, but it's true. He loved me. He didn't mean to leave me. And someday he's going to come back to me. And he's going to take me away. I just want to say before we go into it too much, we see that she is missing a hand. She goes to scratch her head and it's just a nub there. Yes. So whether damaged, he, I don't know if he removed no, she it. She did that to herself. I don't know if she did it to herself. He did it to her or if all the damage that had been done to her, they just couldn't save it and they had to amputate it. Well, there's a couple scenes where they show some of the mutilations that happened to her body. And I think one of those was her hand was slashed in such a way. Yeah. Like the bleeding had stopped, but he had basically cut her hand off and made it useless is what I was thinking. Yeah. Might've happened, but I don't, whether or not he did, or she did it to herself it doesn't matter the fact of the matter is she's not a whole person anymore yeah. no she's, it, she's this, the audio doesn't i mean you have to see the interview to see yeah, it doesn't do it any justice watching her look off camera yeah. look around she's she's weakened she's like her hair is is almost non-existent she had this beautiful um, smile her teeth yeah. are just fucked now yeah yeah she's really shifty she's not real comfortable with the situation well and the whole time that she's being interviewed she literally wants them to tell her what it is that yeah. she's supposed to say because she's so used to just following orders that she is the thing that's making her more uncomfortable than anything else is no one's telling her what to do, yeah. what to say, and what to think. And from their perspective, like watching it, you're like, you're thinking, I don't know what you want me to talk about. What do you want me to talk about? This is a rep. What do you want me? Are you kidding me? Like, that's what we're thinking. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, you know, like slowly well, but surely. But by the time she reaches up and you see that her hand's gone, it's yeah. literally you then, I think it clicks yeah. in your brain where you're like, oh shit, she's literally like, tell me what to do and what to say. Like, she wants to be told she, because that's all she knows anymore. Whoever Cheryl Dempsey was, was dead. Oh, yeah. She's to let you know, Cheryl Dempsey did survive this. I would say pretty much the minute that rubber mask got put on Cheryl Dempsey's yeah. face, she just she's gone. Cheryl that Dempsey was no died Cheryl that Dempsey. day. Yeah. I don't think Cheryl whatever they brought out of that house wasn't Cheryl Dempsey. It was the shell of a of a person who looked like her. Yeah, he completely supplanted her will and her entire being and turned her into a sex object. Uh two weeks after the interview, Cheryl does commit suicide. Her suicide letter declared her undying love for the killer. For her master. Yeah, yeah her for her master. master. It's a big part. Her body is then 
stolen from her grave. Um, then, so we see that's what we saw earlier. There's a news report stating that the body was stolen. It even does it in the most disrespectful way possible. Yeah. Where he breaks it open. He digs it up. He digs up the coffin just enough. And then, and then drags breaks the up, body up. Yeah, he breaks it open just enough to get a rope around her body and then drags it out with his fucking car so he doesn't have to work hard for doing it. And he doesn't look like he stops. He's just dragging it away to drag it away. Yeah. Like, it's just like this woman meant nothing to him other than just another object he needed to repossess. Yeah. We come to the end and that is our final clip. He's moved somewhere else. I doubt very strongly that he stopped killing. I doubt very strongly that anyone even knows he's there. But in some town out there, the disappearance and murder rates are rising. And somewhere out there, he's responsible for it. Something I find interesting about these tapes is that they're numbered sequentially, but there were 27 tapes missing when we found them. was on those tapes. I wonder if they were just too private for him to let anyone see, or if his face was visible on those, or if they revealed just too much about him. Or maybe they were worse than anything that we've seen. I'll tell you one place we'll be watching. If this documentary thing you're making ever gets to the theaters, he won't be able to help himself. He'll see this movie as many times as he can. We'll keep an eye on as many screenings as we can because he'll be there. Man, that's fucking creepy. That is fucking just weird. Anyway, we end with a clip uh, of a happier Cheryl in her younger days. Then a memoriam for all the victims. Roll credits. But wait, there's more. There's a post-credit sequence. I didn't see it. It's a shot of a woman. Her face is solid on camera. There, Her eyes uh, and her face are like taped in such a way and like just to hold her straight. And you hear the killer say something along the lines of, um, as long as you don't blink, I won't kill you. Or, yep. or I, I forget, he doesn't give her a time. He just basically says, so if... If you don't blink, I won't kill you. Oh, fuck. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and then it's just basically, it holds on her for the longest fucking time with her eyes wide open and getting more and more panicked and more and more terrified, opening her eyes wider and wider and wider, and I realized in my own head, I'm like, let's see if I can not blink yeah, I, as this is happening, and then it gets to the point where I blank, like, I blink maybe two or yeah. three times while I'm trying to hold my eyes open, and I feel horrible for her, and before you actually see her blink, it cuts, but all you do is you just hear her screaming. Oh, fuck. And that's the very end of this, the whole yeah. thing. See, once credits start to roll, I, unless you tell me to keep watching, unless I usually turn Marvel off. movie. Yeah. You know, to shut it but off. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a Marvel movie, the Marvel movie, then you stick around, but it's not that important. And I completely fucking forgot about it. Okay. I just had the credits rolling and I was looking up stuff, um, about the movie and like trying to get some more factoids to be able to add that kind of stuff. Yeah. Since I'm, I'm not doing the notes now, I try to do research and then I saw that pop up and I watched it again. I'm like, Oh, that's right. Brandon did make me fast forward through for us all to see that at the yeah. first time we watched it. I'm sorry it. guys. I missed that. My bad. I was too busy stumbling over chairs, throwing everything around to get a light switch on <laughs> but anyway after that the credits end and everything's yeah. over with all right and we're all having nightmares yeah forever Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so let's get into the final thoughts here. And uh, uh, How about this real quick? Fuck you, Brandon. 
No. What? what the fuck did I do? <laughs> you made us watch this. Uh, I bought the Blu-ray. We were going to do this anyway. I invited him into the studio to talk about it because it was a I was really proud of myself when I, I have to say this one. I was really proud of myself when I found this movie. I was like, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. Oh my God, I think I have something I can show Cord. Yeah. For <laughs> once, there's, there's fun- the fuck you for that. <laughs> there, that's the fuck you. It's because he showed you this movie. Yeah. I mean, I would have probably heard about it eventually because yeah. several years after that, I got into the whole podcasting world. Yeah. After he mentioned it and brought it up, I had gotten deep into podcasting and I had been listening to podcasts and then it started making the circles in the horror movie podcast again Yeah, because it was back on YouTube and people were talking about it and it was showing up everywhere. But by that point, I had already watched it with Brandon about a year or so later when I got done with schooling. Yeah. You know? No, and, I'm just fucking around. Yeah. And the first time I ever heard about this movie was on Reddit. On a thread, an Ask Reddit thread, what's the most fucked up or depressing movie? And this was one of the top movies that was the most fucked up and depressing. Yeah, it's like this one in Megan's Missing seems to be the one that really resonates with people yeah, for really, that type really of Yeah, it really hits a lot of people. The movie night that we watched it at, we basically did a hardcore movie night and we double featured it. We did this and then Cannibal Holocaust. Yep. Ooh, it yeah. It was a very dour, very um, uncomfortable movie <laughs> session. Because Brandon didn't tell us shit about it other than it's a serial killer that it's recorded. Fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's a serial killer that recorded his kills and it's like a documentary about that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then there's parts of it where I, some, of, some of the folks that were in the room with us were even like, is this real? And we're like, I'm like no, that's not real. And, you know, but it was because it looks so Except for so one awesome. of them, we just wanted to keep pushing them. Like, oh yeah, dude, it's real. Well, that's because we're dicks. And <laughs> <Yeah>. that's... Uh, <laughs> Dudes, who are you doing that to? Uh, we'll tell you off mic. Okay, okay. <laughs> off mic. Or, or is that off mic? Because now I really want to know who you're <laughs> fucking with. Everybody that sat there and watched that super low-res version, a couple of weeks later, we were talking about it like it was the fucking clown from It, where we're like, there's this one scene that like gets stuck in each of our heads and it's different for each of us. Yeah. But what's weird is the thing that bothered me wasn't necessarily the thing that bothered somebody else. But then when we talked about it, I couldn't stop thinking about the thing that bothered the other person. Yeah. So what this movie really does well, and I think what it really encapsulates is it's telling you the story in such a way where it forces you to piece things together, but at the same time keeps showing you incidents where the killer moves into people's houses or or just sneaks his way in or finds a victim and does his thing to the point where you start worrying about your own life and the certain things that you're doing. Uh, If you don't think I haven't been thinking about, all right, well, I'll go to the car and I'll make sure my keys are in between my fingers. <laughs> and I'll get in and I'll start driving away and nobody can hide right now in the back seat because I have shit in there. <laughs> well, and one of the incidents, um, the one that we were kind of fucking with for a while and told him, like, we're just basically making him think yeah, that some yeah, of the yeah. stuff was real, you know, or that it was based on a real uh, killer. Yeah. Because it kind of was. It was an amalgamation, but it was, you know, that made him think that it was an actual thing. Yeah. And that was something they did to promote it. They put, they made up the, the people, the main director made a bunch of websites um, that were about serial killers and then put their character in there. Yeah. As another one to I make people that. believe that. So like they were like really kind of like creating this mythos around the guy and making people think that he was real. And they backed off on that automatically and it did kind of bite him in the ass because M- MGM ended up pulling it and yeah. it didn't get released because there was a huge backlash of people realizing that it wasn't a real thing and they called bullshit on it and got super upset and they should have just basically let it be but they tried to too much Blair Witch it and I think yeah. that's what ended up killing it. But yeah. the important thing that I'm getting at here, the thing that makes it most effective for me and I was really paying attention to it this time around because I was able to watch the movie removed 
removed from with the HD print the way that it is, I was actually able to see that it was a movie and I was more cognizant of the editing and the way that they're doing it. They continuously do the chopping and the editing in such a way to where it creates a rhythm and the editing speeds up. So there's faster and faster edits with shorter and shorter amounts of time before jumps happen. And the only time that they don't do that, the long continuous takes where there isn't those jumps and edits is when they're showing you the footage. So what you're getting is the real world that's talking about this outside of those tapes becomes less and less. It's more rapid and you don't get to stick around with that very much. And you spend more and more time in the reality of what's happening to Cheryl. And you're forced to identify with what happens to her to the point where you're getting broken down emotionally with her. And you're just like, oh my God, just make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. And to the point where you are emotionally abused by the film to where you just want to go along with whatever's going to happen in the film to just let it happen just to get it over with. And they basically treat you like he does Cheryl as the, the film is going through and it breaks you down emotionally to the point when it's over with. You realize then like all of the trauma of everything that you've been experiencing and all the horror that's happening just because of that whole time you're just like get it over with, get it over with. The movie hits you like PTSD yeah. right at the end of it, right if it's over. And it's, you get those creepy crawlies, you get that feeling of that fight or flight. The same thing happened to me even though I was watching the HD print and I was completely cognizant of it. Bev came home after um, bowling that night when I was watching it on Sunday. She was upstairs. I knew it was her. I watched her come in on the video. Um, I was doing my research and everything. I was like, okay, cool. I'll go hang out with my wife. Everything's fine. I shut off the TV, shut off the surround sound, do all that kind of stuff. I start shutting off the lights with my phone and I'm standing there at the bottom of the stairs with all the lights out and I'm just there at the bottom of the stairs and I feel like I hear someone moving around in my basement. Like it just, it's like PTSD in your brain. Like yeah. the cumulative effect of the film. And that's so fucking powerful. And I wish that these filmmakers could have had a way to capture that again with some better actors and some ways of making it feel more realistic in the parts that don't work. Mm -hmm. Because if they did that, the film would be dangerous. Oh, so yeah. much so than it already is. It would be horrifically dangerous. And it would so much more have the deserving reputation that it has for being so extreme. Because I feel like this is a bigger breach of contract between a director and an audience than most other horror films that I have seen. Because it is trying to work on you on a psychological level of that type of torment and torture to where you don't even realize the damage it's doing until it's over. Because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, this is horseshit, this is horseshit, until I'm standing at the bottom of my stairs, it's all over with, and all I can think of is, holy shit, did I just hear somebody move in my basement? Yeah. And it just fucked with me. And I was like really wigging out and like creeped out for a while. And I guarantee you, now that we're done talking about it, later on tonight, I'm going to hear my cats running around my house. I'm going to be grabbing the fucking knife on my nightstand and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll plug in the headphone at least one into my ear and uh listen to loud drowning out either music or old howard stern clips just to pound into my brain to make me not think for uh, to at least allow me to fall asleep yeah the fucking abuse that this movie levels on you and i'm i'm mm -hmm. not using that word lightly i no. fucking mean it, it. it's not you. unfounded no. like this movie when it came out or would have came out there were similar cases but until the adrian castro thing with the women locked in his house yeah like i was like oh this shit is it is real and it can happen and you're watching this film and like I mean the hardest part of that film that I watched was him walking up to the mother and like just taunting her that, that was the hardest for me like yeah because I've seen some pretty heinous shit with you so the yeah. stuff that you see yeah. in the in in the basement's like eh, okay I get what's going on but that part was real and I was like oh god this fucking asshole well and the the stuff that works the best for it has nothing to do with the mutilations and yeah. the torture and they're they hint at that stuff even more the thing that works the best is actually watching the glee with which this guy does yeah. his work and the way that he does the things that he does it actually sets it up to make you feel unsafe and you you really realize that this is a reality that is around us all the time and it really does it just it's like it opens your eyes up to 
a world that you want to pretend like it doesn't exist. And the reason it works better for found footage than most other found footage movies is most other found footage movies deal with something like the supernatural. Yeah. And know? they try and put you in the moment. Yeah. And you're this is way after them. You're just watching it. They right. set it up to be like, you're going to learn about this right. with us. By the end of it, like you almost expect like the final scene thing that, that like the reason that I brought it up, but like I almost expected the end credits snippet thing would be like a movie theater, you know, where you, you just kind of see a bunch of people in a movie theater after oh, the yeah. credits roll. And then all of a sudden the guy gets up and turns around and it's like the, the camera was videotaping the film the whole time. Yeah. The guy gets up and turns around and he's got the mask on and he shuts off the camera or like walks out with the camera with the mask on and he's following somebody out and it would be one of those Something things. like that. Like, like that's what was playing in my head and yeah. I was like, I knew there was an end credit sequence but I couldn't remember what it was. But either way, it's just one of those things where, the like I said, the film, at least for me personally, I don't know what it's doing to my brain until it's over with and then I'm like, holy fuck. Like yep. it's like, it's almost like you're just dealing with the trauma and you're in fight or flight the whole time and then when it's finally over then your brain processes everything and it takes a long time to get over it. Now bad you being a woman and watching this. <laughs> I don't think male or female. I think it's worse for female <laughs> because they already live with this day to day. Maybe maybe it's not as bad. Maybe it's worse for males to watch this than females because females be... have to live with this looking over your shoulder worrying about everything all the time every day in this country. I, th I think there's going to be people who like the hype that this movie has gotten. You take like maybe not us who have watched things that have been we've checked off boxes that we've seen and whatever you know <laughs> yeah. um, all joking aside like you take just a normal person who hears about this they go on reddit okay this is a really fucked up movie i want to watch it and they haven't seen this sort of stuff and so they get everything that bothered us and then the extra on top of it yeah the things yeah. that ordinarily we'd be able to <laughs> like, tolerate oh yeah. god yeah. you know me before this show started oh yeah that's why you're here to yeah. watch these movies. <laughs> but but i mean i'm kind of i'm kind of on that level now where i've seen yeah. some shit like like yeah. really horrific shit yeah so i'm kind of on that level where i'm like yeah now it's like yeah what about if somebody who was like me before i started doing this show and how bad would this have been you're just now starting to get into some of the stuff because i feel that you're ready because i'm yeah. a kind and generous court you're not either one of those things but okay <laughs> My problem with the HD version is all of the effects that they did to try and make it look like VHS just were bad digital effects. They didn't bother to actually make it look like it was shot on VHS. What they should have done is dubbed it off onto a shitty VHS tape and then layered it. Yeah. Or done something like that, like to really get that effect to drive it home because it just doesn't work. It's very clearly like digital video footage that they applied a few filters to that does not look like VHS at all. And the main mistake that they did was they used actual VHS footage from the correct era of the lady who played Cheryl at the beginning of the movie to give you that aesthetic to compare it to. Yeah. And that totally ruined it. It also got undercut by the fact that I could tell where the effects stuff was in that. Oh, okay. So the low-res version of that works better for me because, like, I couldn't see, I couldn't tell what it was that I was looking at, but I could make it out enough to be like, holy fucking shit, what did I just fucking see? Yeah. You know, like, that worked better for me right. in that case. Yeah, I mean, on the, the high-res version, which I had to watch on phone, um, it, the narration part, the mockumentary part, I thought that was just fine. It just yeah. Look like it was a newer TV station right, doing right. higher risk stuff because they got better cameras or whatever. That's my only complaint um, is his VHS yeah. tapes do not look like VHS tapes in this in that. It version. looks like every other found footage where they they just try and trick you into thinking and like right. oh I can tell that's not right legit. and it, and it just totally gets rid of that I believe button and that's the part where I felt this was less effective for me and I can see why Matt liked it because he knew it was an effect and he liked the way that it looked more and I can't disagree with that. It's just that the first time that I watched this and it scared the living shit out of me and like yeah. really 
really stuck with me. It's because I couldn't tell what was going on and my brain was filling in gaps and I thought I was seeing so much worse than what I actually was. Nice. Yeah, when I yeah. first watched it, it I wasn't seven two. It wasn't yeah. seven twenty when I first watched it. The YouTube one was four eighty. Yeah, the original um, one that you and I watched was even was, less than the low res version. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> and that, but that was good. I watched I watched the low res first uh -huh. as you told me to do. Right. With the lights off. Yeah. Headphones on. Yeah. I, I really immersed. And yeah, don't get me wrong. That scene was fucking petrifying. Yeah. Watching that shit. Yeah. It and, sticks with you. It really does. Yeah. yeah. I watched that and I did that um Saturday night. Uh -huh. But I came upstairs and my wife was like, it was like 7.30 and we had planned we we're going to make it a really nice early night. And she was like, uh, do you, do you want to go to bed right now? And I'm like, no, no. And I, <laughs> And then I turned, she had like, we, we've decorated for Christmas and everything. We have all these lights in the house and she had all the main lights turned on. So it's still darker. And I went around, I turned on every goddamn light upstairs. So and she's like, I'm trying to watch a movie. And I go, I, sorry, I just can't. I go, you didn't watch. Well, I got I, a movie for you to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to watch a fucking movie. <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the dark. Here, I'll give you one to fucking watch because you yeah. don't want to watch this one. All right. Yeah, I've, I'm done. Anybody else want anything else to say about the film? Or no, man. Totally that's, fucked I'm up. fucking tired. Can yeah, you but, go home? Yeah, but seriously though, I have been kind and generous to not dump this on you as like yeah this was five. A, well, I would definitely what, tell people to watch it yeah it's definitely, but, yeah, it's definitely yeah, a good movie watch it and it's good that you didn't dump it's good you didn't dump those kind of movies right off the bat where were you've gone as a show you know it just all of a sudden then you have nowhere else to go well and a lot of them I didn't know how I wanted to cover them because yeah. like I, I'm coming from the perspective of being an entirely sick ass gore hound who's just like and also just like really into like yeah. psychological torture of myself yeah where I really do want to see what, how much can I stand? Like, how much worse can this be? And I didn't know how to actually talk about that without sounding like a fucking edgelord for like three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And like, you'd I be mean, the worst person for the serial killer to get a hold of. He'd have you tied the base to be like, all right, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's do it. I, <laughs> and I he's would, like, you're too excited, so I'm not going to do anything to you. <laughs> I would totally recommend anybody to go get it, but if without condoning, obviously, just straight up piracy, um, if you can get the DVD and then downgrade it yourself or do something to get that lower res feel from it, it, it enhances it way more. I would say... Because uh, it, it wouldn't download a house. It, well, it's still out there somewhere, so I it, would yeah. say watch it in... I mean, I watch it on YouTube, so... Yeah. Watch it in that form if you want, and then, you know, experience the lowest res version of it as possible to really get that feel to it. But it's not necessary. If you yeah. if you know off the bat that the things are going to happen that are going to happen, then just fucking watch yeah. it and, and just... It's got plenty of shit that are going to fuck you up. Yeah, and leave you even a... the high res version still works, so like it. my point about it not being as effective is fucking moot. It's just that I really felt like it wasn't going to be as effective, but it still had that cumulative effect. That I mean, if you can watch ass. some of the other found footage movies that are out there that obviously do the digital representation of speckles yeah. and everything, then and you, if you if you find that to be acceptable, then this will be fine. Yeah, this is actually done much better because they at least attempt to make it look like VHS. Yeah. That digital like tiling fuck up shit that they do with those other found footage movies. Especially in digital horseshit. age when they do it. I'm yeah. like, stop it. There's no tracking on a digital on a digital film. Well, and also the digital <laughs> tiling, it wouldn't work that way because if the tape breaks that's just where it would end and it would just go black right the the tiling thing for a damaged tape is not the same as like tiling for a bad signal coming through a cable it's not the same <laughs> yes i agree all right well let's fucking okay. just we're gonna close this out we're gonna play the ending legion promo i have a little bit more music befitting of the poughkeepsie tapes but does anything really fit this nothing befits this mixed message mm -hmm. murderer and when we come back we will close out this fucking overlong really depressing just ptsd inducing show if you enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network 
like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Go Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Torch slaughter. I don't know if anything really fits that much better. Probably not. Yeah. 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 Blue torch slaughter. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling a little bit better. There's nothing like death metal to get me going in the morning. Yeah. Or it's, afternoon. It's, it's evening though. Or, or evening. It's night. Yeah. Well, we just talked a whole bunch of like sexual sadism, torture, and all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna be wired all fucking night. Yeah. I don't know when I'm gonna be going to bed. Yeah. But I'm wired like for not the same reasons that you are. You're, oh yeah. You're yeah. dreading all those things. I'm looking forward to them. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eh, I'm just probably going to inject myself with things. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Make sure you don't do it through the jugular. You might choke on your own blood. Uh, well, if you are looking for the proper way to inject yourself, you can find it on our landing page of legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We also have a Facebook group where Brandon does frequent quite a bit. It's Cinema Psyops. Matt Psyop is there occasionally, usually while we're recording when he's not doing the notes because he's never really on Facebook otherwise. True. You can also find me on Facebook as Court Psyop. You can also email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know that it's no more excuses. Get those clips done the way they're supposed to. Yes, dear. It's yes, master. Yes, dear. <laughs> well, same thing with you, I guess. Yeah. You can also email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him to stop sharing all of his fucking weird, sadistic, sexual fantasies on the air. You're tired of hearing it. I don't think they are. I don't think our listeners would ever say that to you. Probably not. You can also twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate filled shit fest that is the Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop and he is at psyop Matt where I guess you can kind of add us with uh, photos of weird sexual torture devices. Please don't. Don't get yourself banned. Yeah, just don't get banned but you know, maybe slide that shit into our DMs. I don't Unless know. Unless you want to get banned from Twitter we would totally understand that as well. There's also the gram of Insta where all you have to do is add water and you have an Instagram. We are cinema underscore psyops and by we I mean me because I run that shit like it's Barter Town and this podcast. We also have the desolate uh tumbleweed driven town that was once our flick chat group yes um i don't mm. know if i haven't really checked it wait, 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 I ch- i'm checking into it now 
Yeah, there's not much there. Yeah, nothing but bad sound effects done by your mouth. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> For some reason, that sounded sexual. Yeah, I meant it that way. All right, awesome. That Flick Chat group code is Cinema Psyops, and if you're on there, you know, get a hold of us in some other way, shape, or form, and let us know that you're putting stuff on there because we aren't paying attention. Also, apparently, someone is emailing Matt and he hasn't responded. So someone emailed me, I haven't responded. Yeah, within this week, buddy. So you're oh, talking shit. about how you always respond. Piece of shit. You don't check it like you said you do. I usually do. Listen. Except this week. I've had a lot of shit going on, all right? And I, I did can't... the notes for Poughkeepsie Dave's Court. What do you want from me? It's, it's almost like... You... It's not even that. It has nothing to do with the show. I've, I've, I got I got life shit going on, all right? People just got to give me a minute. I got shit I got to figure out. If he did this every week, I could understand that he could keep up on... Oh, wait. I, I do do this every week, you asshole. Not every week. There's some weeks where he gets a break, but every week Court's out here to kick the fuck out of this podcast for you while you kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Quite honest, uh-huh. I feel like everyone, you, like you told everyone to blame me anyway, even like before this. <laughs> you are really echoey tonight. I, it, it's fucking weird. <laughs> I think you were talking out in hitting the ceiling. I think I must have. But I really do think that. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm talking about, like... It's always my fault. Exactly. If anything's gone wrong, it's been my fault. I'm a cunt. That sounded echoey. I'm a cunt. I'm a cunt. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, clip that I know that you hate the absolute most is sticking around and going strong and may or may not be said a couple times tonight. Well, there you go. I'm a cunt. It's not that one, by the way. No. No, that one I actually agree with. I'm a cunt. America is a bunch of cunts. That's why I agree with it. Because I think everyone in this room is a fucking cunt. Ah, Brandon's not. He's a decent, <laughs> decent enough dude. Bit, I, of, a, bit I, of a keyboard warrior in his in his uh, in his time, but yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't believe so. But it's fine. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna need you to point your mic away from Brandon because you are catching into his. That's where the echo's coming from. <laughs> yeah, yell into that corner. We're just gonna turn you around. You're gonna face the, the wall. <laughs> I don't want to look at you guys anyway. <laughs> no, that's perfect because then you can look over. But like yeah. that way, your voice goes into the corner where I actually have some soundproofing. <laughs> How's your peripheral so I can make lewd chest you don't know they're going? Oh, I into the mic, Brandon. Into on. the mic, remember. <laughs> gotta be right up into that mic unless yeah. you're, <laughs> you gotta practice. Love to that it. mic, Brandon. Yeah. Across from me at the table is Matt. Um, louder. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hang on. Test there. Oh, hey, hello. There we go. I'll do it again. It's almost like you guys want to just watch something to see how bad you can 
suffer through we'll, it. We'll see if it hits the 20-minute rule, and then that's, oh, you guys have a 20-minute. Yeah, rule? If, if it yeah. if it doesn't get to the point, yeah, we're like okay, cut it off. I see. I give series because my wife's a big series junkie. She loves to watch like anything like seasons wise or like a, a series. It doesn't have to be TV, quote unquote. But you know, like hour-long episodes, 44-minute episodes. I usually give them three, but I can't get her to sit for more than 20 minutes to give a movie a chance usually to get it going. Like I don't know why. It's just she has to have something that's episodic, and I guess she just likes the comfort portion of familiar, but it's like almost pulling teeth to get her to watch a movie for more than 20 minutes sometimes if she's not feeling it. But I have to give something three episodes <laughs> before well, I can Well, three episodes done. equals 20 minutes in a movie. No. No way. It's nowhere near the <laughs> same. That's how it works. Three episodes is like two nope. hour and a half movies. No one said the conversion rate was fair. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying that's the conversion rate. <laughs> and this is the Mandalorian and it's over in like you know, half an hour. That's perfect. That's great. Which so far has been the greatest Star Wars thing to come out so so far. And I, I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> I, I love the universe whenever it has nothing to do with Jedi and Sith and all that horse shit that no one should really care about. And religion's not everywhere. It's a big universe. Well, technically Even though the Mandalorian, Mandalorian is, is a religion. A religion. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of religion. You're not wrong, yeah. It's the kind of religion I can get behind, though, because they believe in themselves and their weapons. Yeah, there's no magic about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's about just... Enough, enough talking about things that are enjoyable. Let's get back to the Poughkeepsie tapes. Join us next week for our episode yeah. Mandalorian podcast. Court follows real serial killers, and when they get done with the bodies, he comes hey, in, you picks gonna, them up, takes gonna, them home. You're going to be done with that? <laughs> you almost done with that, buddy? <laughs> you're going to finish that? You finish it? <laughs> it's not one, not. Serial killer's like, how'd you find me? Court, uh, d- d- dude, don't worry about it. Just, are you finished with it yet? <laughs> Try not to be so bitey this time around. Because <laughs> I hardly have any place for me to be bitey. Clip. Yep. Who doesn't like getting prostitutes when they can afford it? See, nobody's arguing. (laughs) When I'm single, yeah, but I'm married man, so I only have eyes for one lady, though. As do you, and as does Brandon. Okay, you've officially covered our collective asses, you fucking coward. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's just go on balls to the wall. Our wives don't listen to the show. Watch, this is the one show they listen to. (laughs) And then you'll be thanking me, asshole. It was a rhetorical question anyway. I'm not saying you specifically buy prostitutes with any spare money that you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, jokes on you, I have no spare money, so sorry, Brandon. Yeah, he can't even afford to pay me back for a recorder he fucking lost. Yeah. And it was like maybe 30 bucks. I mean, that's a lot of money. I'm gonna have to take out a loan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can afford to drink up your salary every week. You could weekend. probably get a dollar hooker for that. Dollar store hooker? Yeah, I'm sure. Like a, like a daytime Wait, hooker? what's one of those, and how do you know about it? No comment. Yeah, Alright, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he did grow up in Missouri. They run around lawless They run there. around lawless in Missouri. They that's didn't ask for money. Shirt. <laughs> that's not a prostitute. That's just what we call a lucky night. That's, a, that's, that's Brandon. You live in the American dream right there. Random anonymous sex with strangers. <laughs> I didn't know Brandon was a trekker. Nice. Way to go, Brandon. Way to go. The only thing you could hope for is that you would stalk him to the point, but they're also too smart, and they're like a female serial killer or some shit like that. Like, the worst luck ever. That's what you gotta have to catch this guy. That only happens in Dexter and uh, fucking movies about serial killers where they're serial killers of serial killers. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. It would have to be the worst fucking luck ever. Serial killers of serial killers? That's not a thing. Uh, no, it's not. You're right. <laughs> I mean, there are killers that go after other killers, and that's how they justify what they do, but like a Dexter kind of 
of level no, of it. I, where I'm it, saying, I know, that's how fucking hopeless it is. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so not a thing. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, if the FBI can't even catch the guy, some rando's not going to have the tools to catch him either. Exactly. So, the Punisher could get him, though, Brandon. The Punisher Pun- would get well, everybody. The, the Punisher uh, would have killed so him, not like, a thing. an it hour is. ago, and he'd be, it'd be over. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren could do it. <laughs> yeah, Dolph, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher could <laughs> do it. Dolph Lundgren Punisher would have had this over. We, we would even be able well, to do the this. Reason, the reason for that is the Dolph Lundgren Punisher is not confined to anything having to do with reality or physics in any way, shape, or form. Or the Punisher. <laughs> that too. <laughs> it is still the greatest Punisher movie ever made to star Dolph Lundgren. That's what I was looking That for. is true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that, I can't, that. I, I can't argue that. Well, no, because it, I put enough qualifiers yeah, I know, in there. right? Yeah. It's part of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? It's it's Matt. No, your name is Slave! <laughs> nah, man. Nah, I don't think so. Let's not, let's not go there. Fine, we'll wait till Brandon's out of the room you, to you'll play. Have to fight, you'll have to fight my wife yeah, for that. Yeah, it's going to take a lot to... You're going to have to take down all the microphones to hog time on the table, so... Listen, listen, if you want to have that kind of ownership, you're going to have to fight the wife, and I don't think you're going to want to do that. <laughs> I'll just find somebody else that's callow and weak-willed. There you go.